You're listening to our podcast of Steve Allen on LBC. This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, Thursday, December the 15th. <laughs> Ten days away. Ten days away. And Peter Andre has written an open letter to radio stations, obviously bored out of his tiny, basically telling them not to run certain Christmas records because he said Christmas isn't a happy time of year. Little Mr Misery might as well just retreat into his burrow and stay there. He, of course, is going away for a bit of the festive season. He's going to Australia. So whilst everybody else is struggling to keep themselves warm in this country, he's basically disappearing off. He'll be back in time for Christmas Day, but he doesn't want the radio stations to play uh, anything like that, which sort of makes you feel... And also, he said Christmas time isn't sort of a happy time for a lot of people. Well, it will be when you've left the country, Pete. You know, do us all a favour, go now. But don't ruin people's Christmas. They've had a miserable time this year. You know, people are on strike and everything else, and you're just saying, don't play these Christmas records. Must be like bar humbug in your place over Christmas. Have you got a tree? Can't imagine why. Really? Fancy writing an open letter and things like that. The Brooklyn Beckham story I thought was hilarious. Another multi-talented member of the, the, uh, of the family. Father trousers money from a homophobic country. And uh, mother can't get the shop working. Uh, and then she goes out spending £100,000, basically making you feel even worse than you felt before. And now Brooklyn comes up with he's made spaghetti. I mean, dear Lord, is there no end to the boy's talents? Or is it there's no beginning to the boy's talents? Yes, he made a salad. That must be really complicated because Brooklyn's not the brightest penny in the box. And, uh, and then two of the other children had to turn up to mummy's shop, basically to make it look as though there were people in there. Because that's all they get now. They get loads of coverage, loads of publicity, but it doesn't materialise into money, apart from Dave, who'll trouser it from just about anybody, which is very disappointing. Uh, Megan has uh, given her most direct attack on, the, uh, attack on the royal family. A royal correspondent in one of the papers has said, basically, she's telling lies. She's telling lies. She doesn't know anything that goes on inside the royal family. She's obviously got a downer on our royal family. And to be honest with you, a third-rate actress I'm not remotely interested in. You know, you can you can sit in America, do your little warbling, lovely. You know, do whatever you want to do. Take your little hubby out, take him for a hair transplant, you know, and sit there at Christmas looking quite miserable. Because I can't imagine he could cook anything, and I shouldn't imagine you cook. So uh, what are you going to be doing? Will you be spending time with family and friends? Absolutely not. She hates her family. She doesn't like his family. He doesn't talk to his family. And the gap between the two of them and the four of them and the six of them and the eight of them widens ever deeper. You know, no chance of going back now. No chance of going back. Uh, the cruelty of Britain's salmon farms. I never thought about it, actually. I never thought about being cruel to salmon. But they are farmed and they feed them pellets to make them go a certain colour. And so they eat these pellets. They're kept in pens because you have to, because you can't, you know, I mean, you do get wild salmon. I've seen wild salmon being caught and stuff like that. But in Scotland, they've got these farms, they've got these big pens and they feed them. I mean, you can see them. I'm looking at one. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's about 12, like 12, 12 sort of pens holding, I should imagine, thousands of fish, thousands of fish worth an awful lot. And they go from little fish to big fish and then they harvest them. And I do like smoked salmon. I have to be honest, they're yum, yum, yum. And I never thought about the farming side of them. It's odd, isn't it? I should have done. I should have thought about how they're farmed. I just assumed that they were... So, I don't know what I thought they were doing, actually. I always knew that they were in pens, because I remember seeing them being fed, and the water turns into, like, a frenzy. 
with all these salmon and then they bring them in and then they smoke them and they do all sorts of things and some they smoke over whiskey smoked wood and things like that. I mean, it's a really, really nice things. But um, I suppose we have to think about the way things go, don't we? Uh, the tycoon who faces a million pound bill over the bubble wrap noise complaint in court. Told you before, go to court over anything. And if you lose the case, you're going to pay. You're going to pay loads and loads of money, which is good. Uh, the rare Enigma code machine going on sale, you know, which they used at uh, uh, what's it park? Yeah. Alan Turing, Alan Turing. Actually, I have a feeling, and I don't know why, I went to Teddington. There is a school there, it was called Alan Turing, and they've changed the name on it. It doesn't have Turing's name on it. It used to be Turing House and all this kind of thing, and they appear to have changed it, and I don't know why. I couldn't, I couldn't quite work it out, because the, the two, as the bus goes round the corner into Teddington High Street, you've got this, the, the name of it twice on the building, and it doesn't say anything to do with Alan or Turing at the moment. And I don't know why they've done that. I would be very hurt if they changed that. They do that every so often, don't they? They go, oh, because of so-and-so, so-and-so. You remember the story of Alan Turing having been absolutely pulled apart by the government and yet being the man at Bletchley Park who was responsible for, for solving just about everything. Because he was gay, uh, they literally ripped into him and pulled him apart. And um, he ended up dying. He, he, had, he was chemically castrated. Because in those days, the government have since issued a public apology. Bit bloody late, if you ask me. Bit bloody... It, it was two years ago. It took them years and years ago. He died when he was very young, chemically castrated. And you think the good that he did. And I've been to Bletchley Park and I've been into the, the hut where he worked and all the rest of it. It's fantastic. And you think that's how they treated gay people. You know, that's, I was watching an old, um, an old big brother and there was a, a lesbian woman on there called Kitten and she had a lot of angst and she was because in the early days of Big Brother before people understood about cameras and all the rest of it hidden behind the the mirrors and the windows and all the rest of it people they used to put in there had serious mental issues the 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 arguments and the language and the way that they all behaved with each other was quite unbelievable you should watch it Big Brother fights and you will see all sorts of people on there people who sort of uh, some disappeared without trace thank the Lord and some who hang around fighting shouting screaming every swear word under the sun and of course the programme loved it because of the ratings so they would put people in there who they deliberately thought could cause trouble and they did and the more trouble they, they caused people didn't vote them out they actually sort of kept them in because they were enjoying. We all remember little Nikki, who sadly is not with us anymore, but she used to have all these breakdowns and go, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it. oh, it's working. And she would have the, and they, they ended up becoming funny. Whereas, you know, you'd watch Mrs. C. She calls herself Lady C, you know, when she went into I'm a Celebrity Out of Here. What a disagreeable person. What a sad, lonely old woman she was. You know, I don't want to talk to you. Don't talk to me. Don't and she literally had more chips on her shoulder than Amory Ramsden. But it made entertaining viewing because she was basically having a breakdown in front of us. A bit like Vanessa Feltz. Would Vanessa like to come to the diary room? No, I won't. It was interesting. You know, you watch these people and you think, my God, how can they have a breakdown? Why do you not go in there, eat the food, you know, 
get, get, I mean, trying to sleep in a room with about eight other people, I think, would be very disagreeable for me. I don't do things like that. I don't sort of share. And I wouldn't be remotely interested in getting involved in anything. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, Steve's going to do a, like a bush tucker trial. Well, you're not going to be eating today because I don't do bush tucker trials. I certainly wouldn't be eating any of the food that they put in front of me. They go, and if you do this, then, you know, you get a, a star and they can all eat. No, they're going to starve because most of them look as though they're a bit overfed at the moment. So I won't be doing anything like that ever again. And that's why I don't do that. Uh, my poor friend Warren is going to throw his... Uh, comp- he's still got computer problems. Still got computer problems. And he said, I'm going to throw it out the window now just to cool it down. He's been on the computer. Because once you start on the computer, as you all know, uh, you just... I mean, he spent six hours on it. Six hours. He said, it's the weather. He said, I'm... I'm I'm swearing because problems from either computer. I've got blooming computer problems and everything else. And he sits on it and he he just gets really frustrated. Whereas I sort of go onto the computer. But I do most of my transactions, as my cuz will tell you, Will, uh, on my telephone. I do everything on the telephone. I order stuff on the telephone. If I'm sitting at home, I'm on the telephone. I tend not to get up and go to the computer. I use it on the telephone. And uh, at the moment, though, all your parcels are sitting outside in the wind and the rain because the post office has got nowhere to put them at the moment. And I'm waiting for a parcel. But, you know, I'm no different. to it. I could wait. I could wait. I'm not going to say I'm not going in any particular rush about something arriving. I've got about three parcels or three, probably three and a bit parcels. But it, it doesn't matter. But if you've ordered for Christmas and you're hoping to get them, there's a chance you might not. You might not. Uh, they've also... I was talking to my friend Rich earlier on because he lives down in Kent. He's Tunbridge Wells. And uh, he said it's freezing down there. Freezing. Because they've got little and They've got to have the heating on all the time. So it's fine. And uh, But he said, I looked out the window the other day, he said, and I looked at the car... He said, and I looked at the snow, because Kent got really hit badly by all the snow. And you tend to forget, I was talking to my lovely driver this morning, who had on a few occasions, and uh, we were talking about uh, the train drivers and the striking. And I said, well, there's a a survey. I think more than 70% of this country say the nurses deserve a decent pay rise. They, you know, out of all the people striking, you know, I don't have... Sympathy for the RMT train drivers, because you can pick up 60 grand a year. Easy. If you don't want to do it, I know the simple answer is go do something else where you can pick up 60 grand, which aren't that many jobs in this day and age. But it turns out some of the papers are running a story. It sounds to me a little bit as if they're trying to wind him up because they know how easy it is to, to wind up Mr Lynch. And they're saying that the members are thinking of turning and they're going to go, listen, we're going back to work. Because they can't afford... I heard of a postman the other day. He's, he's lost £1,000 so far. Don't work, don't get paid. They say members of the RMT, some of them could lose up to 5000 quid. If you're a train driver, 5000 quid's nothing. Nothing, really. You can afford to lose it, but you can't afford to go for much longer. Offered 9%, old Lynchy, get him out there, get him out on the picket lines. You know, playing the old working class hero thing. But unfortunately, it could backfire terribly. And then everybody loses because, you know, the prime minister said, that's it. It's nine percent, you know, with a few little concessions here, there. And that's it. You know, you could stay out for the rest of your life. All you're doing is cutting off your nose to spite your face. I got home yesterday. I had to go on the underground. Strangely, yesterday, because I, I get the train from Leicester Square or Leicester Square, which is very nice and very posh. And, uh, and it, I get off at Hammersmith and 
at one point, the, the train comes in and it was fairly busy coming in yesterday. And then we get to the next station and it was rammed. And I began to think, where were all these people the other day? There was uh, literally, we, there was one bloke gets on the train and he's got two suitcases and a violin. You can imagine, can't you? I mean, you know, you feel like saying, why don't you get a bloody taxi, matey? Because, you know, he's falling over people and there's people there and all the rest of it. And then by the time it got to Hammersmith, I just walked off the train. It was quite easy. So I did that, walked up the escalator, get to the top. Within one minute, my bus arrived. I'm on the bus. Luckily, not too many ghastly school children and um, and managed to get home. So I was home by 8.30. So you can you can stay out as long as you want. Because it doesn't make any difference to me. I'm going home in exactly the same way. I'm just not using Waterloo Station. And that's the same for a lot of other people. Producers driving in. Because it's it's easier for... Why should he have to inconvenience himself? But I tell you, people are going to be losing money. And I think eventually somebody's going to turn around to old Lynchy and go, listen, we've achieved nothing. We've had no end of strikes. We've all been out. We've done the bit around the brazier, the picket lines and all the rest of it. And we've still got nothing in our pockets except we're losing. So where it goes from here, I don't know. I was going to actually, uh, I was going to actually ask sort of James O'Brien what he thought they they could do, but I thought maybe I'll, maybe asking the wrong person. I'll probably ask Nick Ferrari. I was going to ask my my cousin Will Will Guyatt. Bless his heart, honestly. <laughs> He did make me laugh. He phoned me the other day. We're having a good old laugh at home about bits and pieces. <laughs> it's always the same things every time. It really is. It's uh, It always works a treat as far as I'm concerned. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Morning. Nice to have your company. To have your company. Nice. Bloody freezing outside. It re- I mean, it really is cold. It really is cold and it's uh, supposed to be getting a bit worse and then it gets a bit better. But driving home, as I say, my my friend Rich having to drive all the way to Kent. It's a drive and a half, and he's had problems with cars and bits. Oh, God, has he had problems with cars. But I thought I'd go visit my godchildren this weekend, and I sent a text to their mum saying, I thought I'd pop down this Saturday, which would be the last time before I pop down for Christmas Day lunch, uh, weather permitting, because if it's snowing, there's no chance I'm going down there, because I've been on the motorway before, and when you're, you're in a white mist... And it's it's lorry drivers will tell you it's a nightmare. I've sat there thinking I'm going to have an accident. I'm going to have an accident. And so I have on odd occasions pulled off the road and uh, and sort of then said, listen, I'm going home again. I'm not going to risk it. So I'm praying that there's no bad weather over the festive season. So uh, that's fairly good. Bad news. Another one of those uh, little boys who was in hospital after the falling through the uh, the ice on that frozen pond. Uh, he's died. And I, I said to producer earlier on, I said, isn't it amazing in this day and age, they do everything within the National Health Service to keep somebody alive. A little six-year-old boy. What is it that means that we can't keep him alive? Because we keep other people alive. You know, people that we put into an induced coma or somebody who's been asleep for a long time and they wait until they can then sort of wake them up. And they couldn't save him. For some reason, his, his sort of... Uh, system inside his body had closed down and they kept him going but uh, he's the fourth one to die after that lake plunge they're now saying as far as I'm concerned and it sounds a bit glib but a little little bit late putting up a fence around the lake but the trouble is kids are kids they're naturally curious they see something as a challenge and I only could tell you that because I was exactly the same at that age you know if, if your mum says don't do that you do that 
If your mum says don't go there, you go there. You know, don't climb that tree, you'll fall off and hurt yourself. You climb the tree, you fall off, you hurt yourself. And then your mum goes, told you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. By the way, um, uh, I'm taking all your texts and emails. Why? Because because I just want to. I'm that kind of person. We don't do phone-ins on this uh, programme. Haven't done them for years and years and years. Might do them on Christmas Day. Haven't quite decided yet. I've yet to discuss with the producer what we're going to be doing. <laughs> That'll be a short conversation. I'll just sit there and waffle on for goodness knows how long. And, um, and he will pretend he's the producer. And it'll be quite good. It's very, very amicable. It works in, in both ways. And uh, so we're taking all your texts and emails. 84850 steve at LBC. .co.uk. OK, and then uh, you can get them through to us and then we read them all out unless you're particularly stupid. You know, if you're particularly stupid, dim, thick, you know, a little bit sort of racist, homophobic or anything like that. If that comes out in it, you get banned completely. So you'll have to change your phone number. Otherwise, you'll never get home. Somebody told me about Turing House. It's now moved to a permanent site in Witton. Teddington was only the temporary site. Oh, good. I don't like to think that Alan Turing's name was not uh, was not being used anymore. Because I think he was, I think he was a hero. Absolutely, Chris uh, in Portsmouth says, "Do I qualify as a spiker? Because I'm here every morning at four. Yes, just make sure you're there when they do the radar." Okay, that's the only thing I ask. And judging by the amount of feedback we get at the moment, we're we're looking we're looking pretty much on course, which is good. And uh, Steve, Scottish salmon is worse than that. Their farming conditions typically allow them to develop skin scabs. It doesn't kill them, but it's desperately unpleasant for them. Yet it's within the UK limits for taste and quality. However, in Norway, Norvège, it is, uh, however, a prohibited issue. Ergo, I only buy Norwegian salmon. Never Scottish. That's good. I've been to Norway. I've been to Norway. We went there. We liked Norway. Very quiet as a country. You know, I mean, not like here, we're chock-a-block absolutely chock-a-block and yet you go to Norway and you can walk around and not see anybody not see anybody at all I mean it is it is quite blissful I don't think I'd want to live there but to actually go there was a very interesting experience I remember years ago I went to I went to go and work in um where did I go to I can't remember where I went to Sweden or Norway or somewhere like that and I took a DFDS ferry over there and it came into Esberg and I went there and I remember that I was desperately unhappy Desperately unhappy. I'd gone over there thinking I'm going to be a DJ. I was going to sort of play music and everything else. And it was uh, through a company called Europa Bookings. And it was run by a guy called Jerry Coord. And I didn't have anywhere to stay. So he said, you can stay at my house. So I'm lugging around my records. And basically, he was trying to palm me off in these discos with these women who could sort of put me up and I could stay. I just wanted to come home. I just wanted to come home. I hated it. I hated it. I never earned any money and I never had any money for food. And he had a loaf of bread in the kitchen and every morning I'd look at it and I remember slicing a little tiny thin bit off, hoping that nobody would notice because I'd, I didn't have any money for food or anything else like that. And in the end, I phoned my, my parents up, reverse charge. In those days, I thought you could do it quite easily, you know. And then you'd hear the operator saying, oh, hello, would you accept a call from Stephen? My mother would go, yes, I want to come home. I want to come home now. I hated it. Hated it over there. I couldn't think of anything worse. And yet there were DJs who made a very good living, you know, and they all had tricks. They all had different gimmicks. One of the DJs I was going uh, over on the boat with, uh, he said to me, he said, what's your uh, what's your gimmick? And I said, uh, uh, have a gimmick. Uh, I said, what, what's yours? He said, invisible dog. And he had a stiff dog lead and he'd walk around with it going, sit. sit. Good boy, good boy. Woo, woo, sit. And I was, he was a DJ. 
You apparently had to have, apparently the Norwegians liked this kind of thing. They thought this was hilarious. Absolutely. I just, as I say, I couldn't wait to get home. I got home, middle of a blooming strike. So my parents had to drive an awful long way to get me back home again because I came into Dover, I think, and I was trying to get back again. I really must do an, a, a biography, mustn't I, really? Because I keep remembering all these different things. Barry says, I used a, a Michelle Roux recipe yesterday. I put six chicken thighs with skin and small King Edward potatoes, rubbed everything with olive oil, added seven cloves of garlic. Oh, blimey. That's a bit too much, seven cloves of garlic. With their skins and lots of rosemary from the garden. In between the chicken, I added mobs of butter. Oh, he said it, it was heaven. I don't think they'd have garlic in heaven. I mean, you wouldn't be sitting next to angels, would you? That's why when the train was so crowded yesterday, the bloke next to me had a lot of garlic the night before. And I was sort of like turning to the to the right going, oh, God, how much longer? Perhaps he'll get off soon. And he did. Uh, Steve, how much, uh, how come, says Lorna, Megan knows so much about the royal family in the short time she was amongst them, considering she said she didn't know anything about them before she met Harry, who, who she also knew nothing about, but she asked someone to introduce them. yes. Well, there's lies and then there's Megan. She just tells exaggerated lies. That's why her family don't talk to her. They don't talk to her. And so they've tried to sell... I mean, basically, I think she's, I think she's a bit Amber Heard. You know what I mean? It's, it's a case of she feels hard done by. And there might be certain elements of racism in the royal family. I don't know. I couldn't possibly comment. But you're right. She wasn't in the royal family long enough. All I know is we had to cough up over 20 million quid for this dreary wedding. You know, people get people liked her. Unfortunately, the longer this goes on and her dissing the royal family, who the majority of people in this country like, it's going to turn people against her. And it's got nothing to do with racism or anything else. It's a case of don't think you can tell us about the royal family, love. You know, I wonder how many years ago it would have been before she'd been taken to the tower, incarcerated. Shane says, I've just got on a train. I've been Christmas shopping in Sydney. Uh, now I've just found out the blooming trains are playing up, but at least I can listen to you. Absolutely, you can. And hopefully you're all going to globalplayer.com. Yes, you must download it. Please download it because, you know, if you want to catch up on the show via the podcast, it is now exclusively available on Global Player. My little bit extra is available where you get it from at the moment. OK, but if you want the whole show, it's still free. It's still amazing. It's still utterly brilliant. It's so funny and witty. And you can listen to it and really wind yourself up. It's not available anywhere else. But if you don't have Global Player, and many of you might not, I want to make sure that you have, which is my Christmas gift to you. Isn't that good? Look, I mean, how generous am I? M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. You can either download it. I used to hate those Disney kids. Didn't you? Did you ever watch the Disney Club on the television? I used to, <laughs> they had all these kids, and being American kids, they were all so terribly up and all. We were, yeah, come on, M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse. And so they used to, honestly, you could have strangled them. It was just so infuriating. But, you know, that's how they work. You know, in America, you know, the kids who go to stage school... I mean, you, you can tell them in Richmond because they're very noisy on the platforms. Yeah, woo! And then they'll break into, I'm going to live forever, baby, remember my name. Me, I'm sitting quietly on the train. Make them go away. Make them go away, please. Anyway, if you haven't got Global Player, here's what you need to do. You can either download it from your app store or visit globalplayer.com. Once you've got it, Simply go to the podcast section and search for Steve Allen, The Whole Show. If you're listening on Alexa, just say, 
Alexa, open Global Player and play Steve Allen, the whole show podcast. I thank you. There you go. It's as simple as that. How much happier is your life going to be? You know, I mean, your life could not be any happier if I was celebrating Christmas all by myself. You know, it's as simple as that. Oh, look at that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think if you're getting into the festive spirit, come on, you've got to do it. It only happens once a year. That's why Peter Andre's old, he's the Grinch. What a boring old so-and-so he must be in real life. Mind you, every time I look at him, he always looks a bit unhappy. I can remember there was an interview he did on the television. Who the heck did it? I think it was on Sky. And they were asking him questions that he didn't want to answer them. He said, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going. And I thought, oh, God, temperamental as well. Couldn't bear it. Couldn't bear it. Be like interviewing Brooklyn Beckham. Hello, Brooklyn. What's your name? How do you spell it? Do you remember he was stopped on the street? And they said, what do you do? And he went, I'm a chef. Latest creation, a salad. Amazing, isn't it, really? And, 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 uh, Jenny in Farringdon says, my weather app says it's minus four. Going up to nine on Sunday. It'll feel almost tropical. And uh, Roger says, best person for a balanced viewpoint is Theo Usherwood. Yes, I know him. I know him so well. I know him so well. I think he's just been done by Ian Dale, hasn't he? I think they're doing him on the programme, you know, where Ian Dale interviews uh, various people. Because uh, Theo nearly died, if you remember, during Covid. You don't remember that? No. Oh, well, you'll hear it if you download the, uh, the podcast. Steve, says Philip. A strict credit card only coffee shop in Beckenham came unstuck yesterday when their credit card machines had problems. They were forced to take cash. It was chaos. Another customer who I'd never seen before bought me a coffee. They should ban credit card only coffee shops. Yes, I don't go to them. I don't go to them. There's one in Twickenham, Pret-a-Manger. We only, we only take credit cards. Well, you're not getting my business. I'm sorry. You know, I get paid and uh, I just lie to them. I remember going into one of those bakery type places they're all over the place you get coffee and they've got a window full of rolls and you know croissant bits and pieces like that and uh, and she said oh so it's, it's only only credit cards i'd asked for two rolls two cheese rolls and she said this was during the sort of pandemic and she said we only take credit cards and i said i said i don't have a credit card i thought I might as well stand there and brazen out to see if they would submit but she said oh i can't do anything about it i said okay you lost my business. But of course, they couldn't give a toss. They're not remotely bothered about you, the people who work there at all. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Morning, nice to have your company, 27 minutes to five. I'm trying to warm you up because it's freezing cold out there today and it might be freezing cold where you are. I always think better to stay in bed. Stay in bed, pull the duvet up round your ears, put your dressing gown on as well, turn the radio up. And uh, keep all your hands underneath the duvets and you can rub your legs together, hoping they don't catch fire. And, um, and then you should feel a lot better about life. OK, terrible. Uh, Ange says that poor little boy, he had a massive cardiac arrest and sadly was starved of oxygen. I'm afraid had he survived, he would have most likely been terribly brain damaged. It's too sad. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I was reading what Dawn Neeson was saying in her column yesterday. That I mean, no words can ever describe to a parent, nothing you could ever say would ever bring back a child, you know, and you think parents have got to live with with this. I mean, it's it's just it's too, too sad for words. It's the kind of thing that people say, what do you say to somebody? And I said, I wouldn't know. I really wouldn't know. You know, you know, words like, you know, I don't know. I really don't know what you'd say. I was trying to think, putting myself in a similar position if it was a member of my family. 
But because it's a child, because it's a little child, it's even worse. You know, somebody who they barely got off the ground. You know, they haven't they haven't lived. They haven't done anything. And now they can't. And you ask yourself the question, as indeed many people have done over the years. Are you sure there's a God? You know, if there is, how could he ever let a little child die? Didn't he say suffer little children? I seem to remember that from years and years ago. It was one of those things that was that was imprinted in my mind. And I remember thinking then, you know, God looks after little children. And it turns out that he doesn't. That he doesn't. And then people say, oh, he's testing you. Who the hell wants to be tested? Who the hell wants to be tested? I'm sorry. If you've got the power to save a little six-year-old child and all the other ones, why didn't you do it? And that's when people's faith gets challenged. But, you know, I'd rather have the child there than be challenged faith-wise. But it, it is just so sad. And especially at this time of year. Especially at this time of year. I hope that it, it means that, you know, all parents listening are going, where are the kids? Where have they gone to? Where are they playing? Who are they? That's why I used to, you know, get a little bit fed up with my mum used to say to me years ago, you'd be going out on, a, on an evening. And my mum would say, where are you going to? Who are you going to be with? They wanted to know, you know, do we know them? Do we have their, their phone number so we can check and make sure you're all right? And I used to think, God, honestly, why do they faff so much? And it's for that simple reason that they want to make sure that you're OK. My mother used to, if I was out working uh, and then I'd get home late, my mother would pretend that she'd woken up specifically to just make me some cheese and pickle sandwiches and a cup of, a cup of cocoa before I went to bed. So she'd be sitting in the kitchen in her dressing gown. And she'd go, oh, I was just going to bed, Stephen. And I'd go, no, you weren't. You've been sitting here all the time waiting for me to come home because she worried, you know, which is nice. Parents should worry. Parents should worry. So anyway, Peter Andre calls for radio stations. He's written an open letter. Imagine Peter Andre's written a letter. Hilarious. Hilarious. Uh, Asking them to stop playing a festival classic, a festive classic. Uh, After deciding, he's, he's made this all by himself. He's very clever. Uh, that Christmas isn't the most wonderful time of the year. So, Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year, synonymous with the Christmas period. Peter believes the song is incorrect and summer holidays uh, are are the thing to sort of sing about. But unfortunately, nobody's done a song about summer holiday apart from Cliff. We're all going on a summer holiday. No more working for a week or two. But anyway, uh, a lot of people... Uh, uh, 85% of the British public, oh, it's a travel company thing. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's not Peter Andre's thoughts at all. I didn't think he had a half a brain cell going on. But uh, he said, the British public quizzed by this travel company saying the song is factually incorrect. Ah, uh, go away. Bog off. Mind your own business. Wouldn't be using that travel company anywhere at all. But uh, challenging Section 3 of the CAP broadcast code, Peter even accuses radio stations of false advertising. Go away! Go away, you silly little man. Dear God in heaven. And he says, I've got data to prove it. Recent findings from this company. He's been paid. This is a paid little thing to get some attention. They couldn't find anybody decent. So they ended up with dreary old Peter Andre. It isn't the most wonderful time of the year after all. But it is for lots of people, matey. It is for lots of people. Boring old you. Why don't you just go away? Go to Australia. Stay in Australia. Take the family. Couldn't care less. Surely the wife said to you, Peter, don't upset people. Don't upset people. It's Christmas time. People have had a lot of misery this year. He's a father of four. 
But uh, he says here, factor in the cost of living crisis, national strikes, overall price hikes and general low mood and you get my drift. No, we don't, unfortunately. Nobody takes a blind bit of notice of what you come up with. It's drivel. It's drivel. Do you not understand that having national strikes, price hikes and general low mood in the nation, that we need songs like that to give us the boost? Not some dreary old has-been like you. God in heaven, I did, why would you want to ruin somebody's Christmas? He says, a time to make memories, summer. He said, splash around in the sea with the kids. Well, it'd be nice to be able to afford to go and splash around in the sea, wouldn't it? Unfortunately, we're not all loaded like you are, matey. So you take the kids, you tiddle off to Australia, bloody well stay there. Won't have anybody like you ruining Christmas. I mean, fancy. Why didn't you just admit at the beginning, a company approached me and wanted me to do something, and we're going to show you all the, the machinations, and we're going to tell you that, you know, it's really not the happiest time of the year because of strikes and people have got to pay money back and all the rest of it. Well, bully for you, pal. Bully for you. When was the last time you were in the charts? Oh, goodness sake. Honestly, dreary. Very dreary. Have you heard about the fact that your child's been renamed? Princess is now Princess Price. Not Princess Andre. Something else to get your teeth into. Why not worry about something like that as opposed to ruining everybody's Christmas? Go to Australia, stay there, do whatever you want to do, matey. But don't tell people how to enjoy their, their Christmas. I bet you anything, though, you'll be having Christmas, won't you? You'll be having turkey and presents and things like that. So basically, you're a bit of a hypocrite, honestly. Quality Street fans. We're all a Quality Street fan, aren't we? Do we like Quality Street? I think we do. They've decorated their homes... Uh with versions of the iconic suites to raise cash for food banks. So that's quite a, that's a nice idea. The Quality Street originated in Halifax. Uh, Nestle said, we're delighted to be sharing Halifax's finest suites with Sheffield. It's not the finest suites, dear. Don't get carried away with it. People just have a tin of Quality Street on the sideboard. Look at the price of vegetables. Cheap. Cheap. Lidl. Look at this one here. Brussels sprouts, a pack. 89 pence. Nope. 19 pence. 19 pence. Uh, British mini roasting potatoes. 19 pence. This is for one and a half kilos. Uh, shallots. 99 pence. No. 19 pence. This is a Lidl. Carrots. 45 pence. No. 19 pence. British parsnips. Ugh, hate parsnips. Hate them. But from 62 pence to 19 pence. So they're doing their bet. Swede. Who the hell has Swede at Christmas? 65 pence. No, 19 pence. So they say, you know, they're in store now. Unbelievable prices. And yet the next page, they've got food prices surging by 16.4%. That's, that's disproving what was on the previous page. <laughs> low, low fat milk up 45%. Tea up 11.6%. I got sent some tea the other day from Helinka. Thank you. Butter up 28%. Poultry up 16%. Bread. Do you know I bought some rolls the other day? The one thing I have trouble with is you buy some soft rolls. I bought some pastrami and stuff like that to put in there. And, um, and you have to cut them and they all fall apart and everything else. You can buy ready-cut rolls. Who says there isn't a God at Christmas? Go on, buy good... I mean, honestly, if somebody needs to tell Brooklyn Beckham, he could, he could end up making a roll. No, let's not run before you can walk, Stephen, for goodness sake. Poor old Brooklyn. Uh, Megan accused of peddling conspiracy theories. I'm telling you, the tide is turning. The tide is turning. It's got nothing to do with ethnicity. It's to do with the fact she thinks she can bring down the government. She thinks she's really clever. She was never that bright. Never that bright. Um, and a fed-up... Driver, blocked by Just Stop Oil activists, was threatened with a fine 
Why? He sounded his horn. He went, beep, beep. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Anyway, the incident happened in North London on the A503. Some drivers grew very impatient because they'd been, you know, this eco-mob marching for 90 minutes. You can well imagine, can't you, how fed up people would get. Anyway, uh, Met Police Chief Inspector Matt Ashmead ran over to tell the, uh, the, uh, the person in the car, this is an improper use of the horn, I will give you a ticket. Beeping your horn in our ears isn't helping, is it? I'll give you a ticket if you do it again. Uh, what a miserable person he must be. Yeah, doing nothing, are you, because your hands are tied. You look like complete dipsticks, I'm afraid. Mr Ashmead also insisted the courts had stopped police arresting the protesters. Yeah, but luck, nice to know that, uh, that a chief inspector, Matt Ashmead, you know, is looking after the protesters walking very slowly down the road. How marvellous. I bet you joined the police force for that, for that very thing. Barry says, what time on Christmas Day will be on the radio? I don't know, check the schedules. And uh, Karen from Merthyr Tidville says, I drove to London on the M4 last uh, Sunday. Parked in Chinatown, snow. White fog all the way. Absolutely frightening. Salt spreading was slow. I wanted to turn around at memory services. I shall not be doing that again. Uh, I know. It is one of those things, isn't it? I, I get frightened driving in snow. Really do. I mean, it's not, not my sort of thing at all. Living in Goa, says uh, Johnny, I ended up working on a market stall with a Slovenian woman and a Mexican man. Odd, but really good fun selling things to the locals. What on earth were you selling? What were you selling? Uh, another one says, sad about the uh, the boy not surviving. Us kids used to climb the cliffs uh, down the road from us. Apparently the front lobe of the brain is not developed then whilst children... I mean, I see people tombstoning. And if anything, was that's where they climb to a rocky outlet into the sea and then they leap off into the sea without knowing what the hell's underneath there. There could be a rocky outcrop, there could be prams, there could be just about anything underneath there, but they do it. And people have died tombstoning. Really terrible. Really, really terrible. Uh, reality TV star, uh, Georgia Harrison. She's not a star. Can we get these things right? A star is somebody like Lucille Ball, Kathleen Harrison, you know, all the big stars. She's just somebody who turned up on Love Island. OK, she says the shame of telling her parents about her leaked sex tape will stay with her forever. What is your fault for sleeping with Stephen Bear? He was the one who filmed you. You, I mean, admittedly, apparently, she didn't know, but she had to tell her dad about a sex tape. I don't know how you tell parents. I mean, it's not her fault that she was... Le I mean, luckily, she took him to court and he lost. Now, there's a very good chance that he would, he would go to prison. I often wonder when people say, I was filmed secretly. I've, I've seen more people filmed secretly. And how do you film secretly? I mean, he might get two years in prison, I think, highly unlikely. I think highly unlikely. I'll th tell you what I think they will do, because the man's an idiot. We all know that. But, you know, why she was attracted to him in the first place, I've got no idea. He didn't come with a, with a reputation at all. He could get to... I think what he'll get is two years suspended. That's what it'll be. That's what it'll be. You can just tell, you know. I mean, or, or they say an unlimited fine. The, the, the courts are far more lenient than you ever imagine in this country. But anyway, she's... Uh, She's uh, she's sort of done a story today and uh, it's it's called revenge porn, I think. And I, I don't quite get why it's called revenge porn, 
As far as I'm concerned, the man's an idiot. He was always a prat of the first order. You know, I don't care what happens to him, but I have a feeling it'll be one of those suspended sentence things. I just, you know, they'll say three years suspended for 18 months or something like that, which basically means if you, you know, misbehave yourself in another 18 months, then you go to prison and you complete the thing. And what they'll they'll do is then probably give him a fine. But how you fix a fine on things like that, I've got no idea because it's a relatively new issue, isn't it? Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, nice to have you. We've all decided, actually, Peter Andre is... Ugh. Seriously, I mean, honestly, fancy telling you, don't celebrate Christmas, don't enjoy yourself. So he's flying away with the kids to Australia, so good old Peter Andre again comes up with another ghastly bit of rubbish. Honestly. Simon says, last week you went to Tesco Osterley Cafe. Uh, I didn't. I didn't go, unless unless you took me on the radio. He says, believe it, they served me fish and chips with peas, tartar sauce, slice of lemon, £6.50. Very delicious and great service. He said, you can't buy this outside anywhere. Oh, I bet you can. I bet you can. I bet you could go up north and get fish and chips with peas. I mean, who had peas with fish and chips? Sounds good. And tartar sauce. That's about a penny's worth. So basically, you paid fish and chips, £6.50. You can get that anywhere. Seriously, there's loads of places, fish and chips. Mind you... Um, the uh, the police were out the other day, which is good news. Unfortunately, these police officers decided, you know, that they'd go into a field with loads of snow and they'd have a snowball fight. Not good. They were filmed in a park by staff at a church, but they were later reported to bosses. Because people have got, you know, if you've got a telephone... You've got a camera and people film these things now. So it's not like so they're saying, wait a minute, hold that there. I'll rush home and get the camera. No, no, no. You've got it on your telephone. This 31 second clip was posted on an online forum. It shows two women officers hurling missiles and shrieking in delight. This is serving police officers in uniform. A pair of male officers join in. One lobs a snowball at his colleague who caught it which is unusual. Two more officers are seen showering each other with snow in Stoke Newington in North London. The St Paul's churchgoer, who recorded a clip, says a police van pulled up, six officers got out, and then this happened. It's interesting. Another said, you'd be surprised, but the police have these wearable communications devices called radios. So they'll be contacted immediately. A third person said, wait for the haters to say they should be fighting crime, not throwing snow. That's not haters. That's not haters. That's people behaving like adults. Adults. Anyway, the Met said the video was filmed near to Stoke Newington Police Station and the officers are thought to have been on a break. They've been allowed daytime, sorry, downtime, but have been reminded of the importance of acting professionally. I don't think throwing snowballs was acting professionally, whichever way you look at it. And they turned up in a van. So don't give us all the baloney about, oh, they were on downtime. Well, all together at the same time. And they, oh, that looks nice. And, uh, and they were just sort of throwing snowballs, very infantile. And the police, the women police officers were screaming, you know. Goodness sake, honestly. <laughs> Steve, on Christmas Day, I shall be in Switzerland, says Jennifer. Uh, a ski resort called Glindeval. I'm not skiing, I just love the snow and fondues. I shall be indulging in a lot of Swiss chocolate as I'm going to a chocolate making class. Oh, I love a fondue. I love a fondue. You can't beat a fondue. You know, I've done that loads of time. And uh, Grindelwald is very pretty. In fact, it's made even prettier because it's all the Swiss chalets and everything else. But they're made prettier because in winter, they're all covered in snow. 
And uh, you wouldn't normally expect to see Peter Andre there. In fact, if I saw Peter Andre there, I'd be calling him out on it. Get out. Not for you, mate. This is for people who enjoy the season. Tis the season to be jolly. Fa-la-la-la-la. But not for Peter. That's how it goes, isn't it, really? Steve, go blimey. I like that you just said jump into the picture. It reminded me, says Cathy, that Dick Van Dyke was 97 on Tuesday. Total legend, yes. They say Disney was a genius, but he can't have been that clever as Donald Duck really should have been called Donald Drake, says David. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Paul says most train drivers are members of Aslef and not the RMT. We're not on strike, so please stop saying we are. It doesn't help the situation. Oh, oh, nothing worse than a moaning Mary. Really? Oh, Margot, don't say all the train drivers. We mentioned you once, love. Get over yourself. Really, you must have a nightmare going out shopping, I should imagine. Must be terrible. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your gang, Steve. I bought eight legs of venison for 100... Here we go. For £120 the other day. Now, is it just me or is that too dear? Bard, never write in again. I should get my cuz to come round. I shall send him round to you. Steve, I've just bought a few electric blankets, but still not yet turned on. How safe are they? I don't know. You bought them. <laughs> I should... It depends where you bought them. You know, and if you buy them, you've got to be very careful. They have to come with the kite mark on there. If they don't have the British kite mark, you could be in big trouble. These things could burst into flame. I wouldn't buy anything from a market. I would have to check very carefully, very carefully, because still markets are selling fakes and stuff like that. And of course, what do people... In fact, there's a piece in one of the papers today and it's a, it's a company. Unfortunately, they're not based in this country. They're based overseas and you won't get through to them because their uh, helpline is an answer phone. They're charging 50 quid for a little halogen fire to be sent to you. Well, you can buy it online for under £20. So for a start, you're being ripped off. I wouldn't touch these with a barge bowl. I'll tell you who it is. It's done in the, uh, done in the mirror today. So we'll tell you about that. Wild salmon in their natural life, says James in Scotland, would swim hundreds, even thousands of miles to spawn. The difference... Yeah, and then they die, don't they? After they've spawned, they just... I've seen them. They just fall to the bottom of the, of the river and they just, they just die. It's very sad, very sad. The difference of lifestyle to that of farmed is the meat itself. Farmed salmon has much more white fatty deposits between the flakes of flesh, and the wild salmon tastes so much better, says James. I've had both. I've never noticed any white fatty deposits in the slices of, uh, of salmon. I've never noticed anything like that before. But I just what I tend to do is I tend to buy three packs of uh, sliced salmon. You get about four slices in each pack. And uh, and some uh, chopped egg in a in a sort of like a sauce, which I quite like. And uh, oh, there's lines of fat. Oh, right. Lines of fat. Poor little things, honestly. But I do like smoked salmon. It's supposed to be quite good for you. I tell you what I became addicted to the other day. Blueberries. Blueberries, a big season at the moment. I bought four boxes. I went on the bus. I'm sitting there eating blueberries on the bus. I mean, really, how decadent. There's a bloke sitting opposite me and he's watching me. And I'm sort of, so I'm picking, putting them in my mouth. I'm, I, was, I was like an automator. I was just sort of picking up, putting them in my mouth, hand down, picking them up. They're very good for cholesterol, the producer thinks. But I mean, he's not medically qualified, so don't take his word for that. OK, they might be really bad for you. So uh, be very careful. And uh, so I've, I've got three boxes to go back to today, which I'm very much looking forward to. Very much looking forward to. Because I thought it's better, I mean, much as though occasionally I like a piece of toast. Occasionally. Today I'm going to have a roll with some pastrami in it. And the blueberries. Going to eat the blueberries as well. That's going to be very nice. Do you remember an LBC uh, 
nightly quiz show where you could win a briefcase with thousands of pounds in it, says Philip. Uh, I don't, no. I don't remember any briefcases with a thousand pounds in it. I can remember we used to have uh, uh, a competition years ago and you could win, because uh, we were on 1152 in those days, you could win £1,152 and a certain amount of pence. You had to guess what the pence were. So we would have a number given to us. They'd say 36. And people would phone up and you'd go, right, it's £1,152. And they go, 27 pence? You go, no, sorry. And you keep it going. It's like uh, Pip and uh, Holly. They do a quiz. Not at the moment because they're off for Christmas. You've got, uh, you've got Alison Hammond and... What is the name of that sidekick? Anyway, and uh, I can never remember. He's deeply unfunny and not very good at interviews, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so they, they have a thing there and you, they, they, you phone in, you know, leave, leave your telephone number. Then they pick a number at random and they call it and you've got to answer with the, the slogan of the day. You've got to say like, oh, I love Pip Schofield. He's great. If you, if you pick up the phone and go, hello. They put the phone down on you because you haven't answered. You're supposed to pick it up, you know, and go, Philip Schofield is great. The moment you say that, then you stand a chance of winning. £1,000, £800, £3,000. It just depends what it is. But the amount of people who've phoned up, left their phone number, and then the phone rings, go ring, 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 ring. Hello? Click. <laughs> Madness. Listening to you from Mauritius says uh, Jason. I'm out here catching up with the family I've not seen in three years. That's the trouble when you're tagged, isn't it? That is so difficult, trying to get away through the airport scanners. I was, well, I came through Chiswick the other day. Maybe somebody might better help me. And opposite Gunnersbury Station, they had all these security. They were literally, it's on a trading estate. And they had uh, things to go through and the, and the security men were checking. And I thought, I wonder what's going on there? This was early in the morning. Uh, Jason says, I don't want to rub it in. He says, the time difference of four hours means I get to hear you every morning. I don't want to rub it in. Currently said it's 25 degrees and rising. So I may go to the beach again later. Only a five minute walk. I shall send you some tropical sunshine. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. I'm trying to be clever by saying, you know, I don't want to rub it in because you are rubbing it in. OK. It's like somebody, there was a line in, um, I can't remember what the, uh, what the thing was. Somebody was saying, oh, it was goodbye, Mr. Chips. And uh, Mr. Chips's wife has been insulted because she used to be a dancer. Petula Clark used to be a dancer and blah, blah, blah. And uh, some bloke used to mess around, knew of her past. And uh, Mr. Chips com confronts him. And uh, the man says, listen, um, I, I, I don't need to stand here being insulted by you. And Mr. Chips goes, yes, but of course you are standing here and you are being insulted by me. And I thought that was such a good line. I use it all the time. Uh, Roger says, for the first time ever, I saw Dawn Leeson lose her cool on television. Never, never arguing with another commentator about guess who? Megan. I know it promotes all sorts of different bits and bits. Every, listen, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. I couldn't care less what people think. I've got my opinion. You know, they've got their opinion. If we happen to disagree, tough, tough. You know, nothing I could do about that. But uh, Shane says we don't want Peter Andre back here in uh, in Sydney. No, no, nobody wants him. That's the trouble. The best he can get is to be paid by a company to tell you that basically we shouldn't be having happy Christmas songs on the radio because people aren't having a great time. Well, we're having a good time. The fact that old Andre is about as miserable as sin is of no interest to anybody. This is LBC from Global. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen.
Morning, nice heavy company. Three minutes past five. It's Thursday, December the 15th. It means ten days to go. And I'm not ready. As usual, I'm not ready. Also, by the way, you remember I was telling you the other day, very important, that mistletoe, there's going to be loads of it. Because of certain things, it's apparently not very good quality mistletoe. I was checking the other day because Paul Cooper... They get loads of mistletoe in, and I, I generally bring a tree around with me. I sit on the train with a huge tree of mistletoe going, uh, anybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it never works. I get basically hauled off by British Transport Police, but at least I've made the effort. But they've said, no, the quality's not very good on mistletoe this year. So a little bit in back. So it might be in abundance, but not good quality. And there's a reason for it, and I can't remember what the reason was. John will probably tell me what it is. Uh, Rod Little uh, writes... Uh, in the paper about Russell Brand, who's announced with great pride he's been sober for two decades. So 20 years he's been sober. But the interesting thing is, Rod has written as follows. Well done, mate. He says, but if you think back about 20 years, wasn't Russell Brand just about the most famous comedian in the country? They even had him on Newsnight, pontificating on stuff in a rather weird manner. And have you heard anything from him at all for about a decade? He says, I hate to say this, Russell, but I think the public liked you better when you were totally out of your box. And to be honest with you, he has disappeared. He used to be, you know, going on about, oh, it was this and that and all the rest. Oh, I'm quite right, actually. Yeah, John from Paul Cooper's on the subject of uh, mistletoe, he says it's too cold. It goes yellow. If it's too cold, it's got to be the right temperature. So that's why. So it's so really the uh, you know if you're hoping for a few free snogs, it ain't going to be happening. It's as simple as that. So it goes yellow. Thank you, John. I knew there was, I couldn't remember what it was. He, he told me, and I I remember thinking, oh yeah, and then I sort of forgot about. It. And I'm looking at pictures of it now. When it when it goes yellow, it uh, it doesn't doesn't look so good, does it? I quite like, I wonder why mistletoe was sort of, traditionally, it grows up trees. You have to climb, people have to put ladders up trees to cut it down. It'll only grow on certain trees. It doesn't grow on every tree, but certain trees. Alison says, uh, come on, you foodie, seven cloves of garlic is measly. Really? Actually, I used to work with a woman years and years, many years ago. In fact, many, many years ago. And she used to chew raw garlic. She used to chew raw... And I remember thinking, no, no. It's supposed to be very good for you. Michael Van Stratton was with LBC for many, many years, bless him. He was known as Dr Garlic because he prescribed garlic for everything. He said it was really good for the blood, really good for this. And you can buy uh, non-invasive garlic. You can buy it in capsules and you can buy it in health food shops and chemists and all sorts of things. And I kept thinking perhaps I should do it because I remember the odd occasion I used to use garlic salt. If I was doing a steak at home, I used to sprinkle it liberally with garlic salt and the smell was just orgasmic. It was absolutely the best ever. I mean, that and a bunch of mistletoe and I was sorted. I was sorted. But uh, so my present to you for Christmas says, uh, says Alison, uh, is tipping you off about Cathedral City's Dauphinoise. You can get it in Iceland, better than homemade. Cathedral Cities. One more thing we have caught, an episode of Housewives of Salt Lake City, a bunch of grade one nutters. Look out for Mary and her hard-to-control eyeballs. Oh, they've got another one who's, got, who's cross-eyed. And I think she's in 
might have got this wrong. Is, it, is she in the Housewives of New York City? Whatever she is, she's a nasty, evil woman. Really evil. And I can't remember why I thought she was evil, but she's always she's another one. The Housewives of Orange County, they had another evil one in there, claimed to be religious. And she was the worst person in there. Horrible. Brett the Trucker. Brett. Such a good name. Minus nine and a half. 9.5 in Seven Oaks in Kent. Told you, Kent. Nine point freezing. Absolutely. I mean, I seriously think, you know, it would be a lot easier if I found clothes which had sort of heaters inside them. Because whichever way you look at it, I mean, I was on the train, as I say, yesterday, packed. Packed, obviously, for some peculiar reason. And, uh, and people were all wedged in. And so we all basically gave each other a bit of heat. But it was it, it was a case of, you know, you were kind of pitched up next to somebody you didn't really want to be pitched up next to. The amount of people who were obviously heading to Heathrow, so they've got suitcases with them, getting on a packed tube train where people are literally standing on tippy-toe. You know, and there's somebody treasure get off! And nobody says a word. Nobody says a word. It's it's great fun. But I uh, managed to get off, get the bus and got home. It was it was great. And not too many school children, poor things. They must be frozen to death. And very shortly, they must be going on Christmas holidays, I would think. If we're up to the 15th already. It's the, it's the way it goes, isn't it? It's the way. Um, uh, what else we got? What else we got? Um from Rod Little. He says, a snowflake is a unique and wonderful thing. Did you know that if a single snowflake falls on London, nine million other snowflakes go berserk with worry and the entire city comes to a standstill? It's also the way you can make money. You know, if you're guessing that snow falls in London on Christmas Day, it's only got to take one snowflake to fall, but they've, they've got to record... I mean, how? How do they do that? I've got no idea. I've never bet on snow in London on Christmas Day. Matthew says, I love Quality Street. I'll buy some today. And uh, Dave says, it's ironic that Peter Andre's complaining about the Andy Williams song. Coming from Australia, all of his Christmas holidays growing up would have been in the middle of summer. Yeah. And then, of course, there was a time he had to work in his brother's gym in Larnaca because we had a spy over there. And he said, I've just seen Peter Andre walking to his brother's gym. But uh, as he's not bothered about, you know, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. You know, obviously miserable old Peter Andre. I should imagine no tree in the house, no presents for the uh, for the children who are growing up so rapidly now. But he's taking them to Australia. Stay there. Do us all a favour. Uh, Johnny says we were selling handmade clothing and jewellery made from string. That's like macrame baskets. That's macrame. I know what macrame is, Johnny, because he was saying he's with this Slovakian woman and a Mexican guy on the market stall. Handmade clothing. Lovely. Sandra in Broxbourne says, Steve, still snuggled up, minus five in Hertfordshire. Horrid, scary driving. I've been watching I Love Lucy. Daft, but a good giggle when you need it. Oh, I loved I Love Lucy. I interviewed a guy once and he wrote a book called Lucy in the Afternoon. And Lucille Ball was a huge, huge star in America. I mean, mega. She owned her own studio called Desilu. And she was married to uh, Desi Arnaz Jr. And uh, she was great. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. And all her stuff, I think most of it was in black and white. And it revolved around situations she got herself into. And the tour bus used to stop outside her home on the tour of the Meet the Stars kind of thing. And she would make sure she was in the garden out the front doing a bit of gardening, a little bit of weeding. So when the tour bus pulled up, people would look out the window and the tour guide would go and there's Lucille Ball and they go I can't believe it and they take pictures and Lucy would stand up and wave and then then go back inside but this bloke used to go around and play chess 
with her. And he wrote a book based on him going to her house, and it was called Lucy in the Afternoon. And I remember talking to him in the days when I would talk to just about anybody just to try and gain some, you know, system of how to do interviews and, and listen, as opposed to writing questions down, which I did in the beginning. Big mistake. If you're doing interviews with somebody, you don't need to write anything down. Nothing at all, because otherwise you're just following questions. What you have to do is learn to listen and they will say something like, oh, yeah, 1920s, I went you know, working in so-and-so, so-and-so. And then a little bit later, I'll, I say, do you know, you were, when you said about the 1920s, what? and that, that's how it works. That's a conversation. Just reading questions is, uh, is a bit daft. A bit daft. Uh, Steve, do you know anyone who has their Christmas meal at a restaurant or has one delivered? Oh, loads of people have Christmas meals at restaurants. You're jo- are you serious? It's the biggest money spinner for hotels and restaurants. You know, you can pay... Well, I think it's about nearly £300 at some of the top London hotels for your Christmas lunch. Seriously, it's very, very expensive. Very, very expensive. Ramsay's was over, was it £700 for Ramsay's? So, yeah, people do it all the time. We used to do it, you know, but it, it's so expensive because that's the price, not including your booze. You've got booze on top of it. I mean, if you want to go out and have something like that, then that's fine. But, you know, I would always advise people to do it themselves at home. If, of course, you can do it. But uh, I've never heard of anybody having one delivered. Uh, Steve, you wouldn't have seen Jack Regan and George Carter of the Sweeney having a snowball fight back in the day. My word. And the law wonders why it isn't taken seriously. We'll never get that respect back, says Ash. And uh, isn't it lovely, says Roger, we don't hear about Prince Andrew's annual skiing holiday to Switzerland. Now he's had to sell the chalet. Has he sold it? I don't know if he sold the chalet. I know they were desperately... It's to... Yes, well, they had to sell it because they owed this woman who'd lent them the money to buy part of it. That was the problem. She wanted the money back. She was one who took them to court. The woman who owned the chalet, they wanted to buy it. It cost about 13 million. And it was him and that dreary ex-wife of his. And they go, oh, we're in Verbier or wherever the blooming thing was. And I remember thinking at the time, it's going to come crashing down, pal. Sooner the better. Suzanne says, I love blueberries in my porridge. I just like blueberries full stop. Cold blueberries. John had some in the other day. Uh, in Paul Cooper's. And I remember I picked up a few and tried them. Oh, delicious. Ice-cold blueberries. Don't have them warm. They're not the same. Uh, Steve, we put our company Christmas tree uh, up this week. What do you think of our fairy on the top? Uh, I don't know. We shall have a have a look. I don't have the gift of doing it. Oh, look. It's a bottle of fairy liquid. It must be empty because if it... Oh, it's... Uh, wait a minute. Do you need to go down a little bit? Don't, it's a fake tree. It's not even real. What is the matter with you? You know the policy of this programme. You know the policy is real or don't bother. I mean, I've never heard anything like it in my life. I did buy a fake one a few years ago, but I told you six foot wasn't big enough for me. I should have bought seven, but I bought six. And to be honest with you, it looks stunted. I was slightly depressed. It was all pre-lit. They advertised it on QVC and it was about four or five hundred pound. So I bought, I've given, given it to my uh, godchildren and then they put it in their party barn. They have a party barn. They're very lucky, which has got a bar and dartboard and a I, hockey and all sorts of pool table and stuff like that. Jukebox, you know, really whizzy bang stuff, which is great. But uh, I'm not sure a fake Christmas and you have the audacity to send me a picture of it, knowing my hatred of fake Christmas, especially one that looks as naff as yours. I could understand if it was a deep... But your one must be fairly ancient. And a bottle of fairy liquid, the expensive one, I noticed. It's not the cheap one. I like, the, I like, I like it when you can see the colour through the bottle. 
so you could see all the different colours. I used to have them on my windowsill in the kitchen. And when the sun used to hit it, it shone little prismatic lights all over the place. I needed my tea. You need everything, I tell you. If you're going on a long journey in the car, take a flask. But to be honest with you, who has a flask? Who has flask? You've got a flask. Yeah, well, you would have, wouldn't you? You live in Maidenhead. Yeah. For camping. I didn't think you needed a flask for camping, but there you go. I'll take your word for it. And uh, Steve. Uh, well, 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 well. This is Brenda. This is uh, Richard Madeley's biggest crush. And she says, I know you're a big fan of Dawn Neeson, as I am, but I can just say what a lady she is. I work in the media and I needed to ask her a work-related question. She went out of her way to help me. I know she listens to this, so I hope she hears it, as I want listeners to know how sound she is. Oh, I just... We know these things. My cuz, Will, was only saying to me the other day, because he's a fan of Dawn Neeson as well. I don't know where she gets the energy from. I mean, I, seriously, she's working all the time. She must get home and she overlooks the uh, the Thames. It's very nice. And, uh, and I remember thinking to her, she's got an old man at home as well, which is good, which is nice. But she's just on TV. Every time I turn on the TV, I'll be in the... There she is. There she is with Dan Wooten. There she is with Santa. There she is on this. She's on everything. I don't know where she finds the end. And so when, when the producer arrives in the office at 10 and, uh, and then wakes up at 4 for this show, bless him, She's, th she's there again. She's there again. She's always on TV. Always on TV, which is good. Which is very good. We like it. So it's good. So uh, Brenda says, Happy Christmas. Uh, Jane in Yorkshire says, My mistletoe is lovely. No volunteers yet, though. Come round here. They're desperate for it. Desperate. Desperate. Oh, got to take a short break. And it was oh, look. That's a bit sparse. I, c I can do better than that. Much better. That, that looked a bit weedy, didn't it? You're not going to get many snogs out of that one. Really, even though the producer's eyes have lit up because nobody bothers with him. They don't sort of go, oh, look, Elliot, I've got some mistletoe, you know, because he goes, yeah, come here then. You know, and you go, I don't think so. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Morning. Nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You, you have you have downloaded, have you, globalplayer.com? You have downloaded, please, please. If you want to catch up on the show via the podcast, remember it's now exclusively available on Global Player. Now, I have to tell you, today it might just be a little... I tell them this? Yeah, might be a little bit late, but it will be on Global Player. A little bit late. We've just got to just, just got to put a code number in, OK? And then you can get it. Still free. Still amazingly brilliant, even though I say it myself. Just not available anywhere else. So if you haven't got Global Player, here's what you need to do. You can either download it from the App Store or visit globalplayer.com. This does not interfere with anything else at all. You know, wherever you listen to My Little Bit Extra, you keep listening there. Doesn't affect the programme in any way, shape or form. It's only the podcast of uh, the Steve Allen show. So what you do is you go and get globalplayer.com. Once you've got that, go to the podcast section, search for Steve Allen, the whole show. If you're listening on Alexa, just say, Alexa, open Global Player and play Steve Allen, the whole show podcast. Thank you. And you will get it. But it will be going up a little bit later today. So probably this afternoon. And I know that I know that thousands and th hundreds of thousands of you download it. And you can download the other one as well, but it's in exactly the same place. Steve Allen's Little Bit Extra is in exactly the same place. So continue to... It's a good one today, actually. It's a very good one. Steve, one of my favourite put-downs is, well, of course, I could agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. I love put-downs. I love that. And uh, Steve, you're right. She's called Ramona. Ramona! That's the one. This is one of the housewives. But is she a housewife of 
New York City. She's got she's got funny eyes. But the trouble is, she's nasty. She's a nasty piece of work. Like this one. Who's the one then? If you, if you know who Ramona is, you must watch these programmes. Who's the one in Orange County who is a friend of the... That's, that's Ramona. She's evil. She's 65. She's, oh, she's one of the housewives of, of New York. Can you put up the housewives of Orange County? Because then I can tell you which one's the evil one in there. Because they've got one who's... She's a bit batty. And uh, she couldn't keep a man. So... That's right. Tamara Judge. She's evil. Tamara Judge. She thinks she's glamorous. She's an evil person. That Every one of these housewives... Pro- Have you ever seen these housewife programmes? Oh, they're riveting. These are real people filmed in real situations. They're all horrible. Vicky there, who's now Gunval's son, really is just an emotional wreck. There's something the matter with her. She's not the full ticket. But Tamara Judge thinks she's this and that. She's supposed to be Christian. I've never met anybody less Christian. But then after we told you the other day, was it Grizzly? Chrisley? Yes, Chrisley. The man who's now been sent to prison for fraud. Couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier. I always knew there was something the matter with that programme. I just couldn't couldn't quite put my finger on it. Uh, Anushka. Says, morning, Steve. About Russell Brand, I don't know much about him and still can't believe he was once married to Katy Perry. But wasn't his public decline due to that radio thing? Well, no, because it didn't affect Jonathan Ross. He's still appearing on television wearing the most ludicrous of clothes for an old man of his age. I mean, I remember. I remember this and it was it was just horrendous because Russell Brand... Uh, which went out 2008, he and Jonathan Ross made prank calls to Andrew Sachs that created controversy. Uh, They called him to interview him on air. When he didn't answer, they left lewd messages, including comments about uh, Brand's relationship with uh, Sachs's daughter, Georgina. After initially receiving little attention, an article in the Mail on Sunday led to criticism and the event became known as Saxgate or Manuelgate, because Andrew Sachs played Manuel. He wasn't Spanish. You know, he was, he was just a very good actor. And Brand and Ross were criticised by a number of MPs. I think uh, Ross was suspended. Ofcom launched an investigation. And the BBC suspended Ross without pay for 12 weeks. The BBC was fined £150,000. It was absolutely disgusting and disgraceful. You know, to do things like that to, uh, to somebody was just not good. And so every time I see Jonathan Ross on the television, I think he's very sweet and he's very good, but he's, he's clothes. Has he got a wardrobe full of old deadbeat clothes? Because when he turns up on the television wearing some of this stuff, he looks so old. You know, it just looks a little bit like sort of past glory, I'm afraid. Anyway, Harry says, my school is breaking up for the Christmas holiday on Friday and I'm tuning into your programme from a coach with my history class on the way to Hampton Court Palace in London. Well, he won't find Hampton Court Palace in London. I th- t- tell the driver he's going the wrong way. Hampton Court Palace is down the road from me. Definitely. So, Harry, it's, I mean, it's, I wouldn't even call it near London. I mean, you can get the R68, which will take you to Hampton Court Palace. And uh, the nice thing is about having a history class at Hampton Court Palace uh, is that it is a living museum. It really is. You can go there. They will show you Fish Court. They will show you all the bits. of. I've been up on the roof of Hampton Court Palace, which is where you can see all the different areas that were built on. I think it was owned by Wolsey. Henry VIII saw it and went, I'm having that. And so he moved in and it was what they call a lock-up palace. So you'll be able to go in the kitchens 
today and you'll find people still cooking in the kitchens. They will cook because the it's like a living museum. They have characters who walk around dressed as, you know, different people who worked within the palace at the time. And people paid to watch Henry VIII eat. That's why he was so fat. He was fat. And uh, people paid, like whatever it was, a couple of pennies to watch him stuffing his face. He was an evil man. He had his wives executed, you know, uh, rapidly, one by one. A few he quite liked, but what he, what he was looking for was son and an heir. That's what he wanted. He didn't care whether they lost their heads or anything else. But uh, it was a lock-up palace. So when Henry VIII wasn't there, they would put the shutters up, cover all the furniture up with cloths, and he would then take the, uh, the boat all the way back down to London, which took him about two days. And then if he decided, you know, later in the year he wants to go mainly in the summer, I think, to Hampton Court, first place to have a toilet. Well, I say a toilet. It was a long plank with holes cut in it and you all sat next to each other. I mean, really, I ask you, this day and age, for goodness sake. But uh, they would then send messenger up on horse. He would say to the people at the palace, he's coming up, he'll be here in two days. They would then open all the windows, clean the place, take all the shutters off, the kitchen. 700 people used to descend on the palace. So do I know all about Hampton Court Palace? Yep, I do. I've been in all the rooms. I've been in the Great Hall. The one thing that they've got, they had these beautiful tapestries made years and years ago for Henry VIII. They paid a fortune in the banqueting hall, which Henry never went to. He would eat in his own quarters. It was the fact that he was actually at Hampton Court Palace. And they uncovered a, a jousting field at Hampton Court Palace only a short while ago. But uh, all these tapestries, over the years... They faded. So what they've done is they project the colour now onto them and they turn it on and off. So you can see what the tapestries looked like when they were first installed. And, uh, and, then, they, and then they would turn the, the colouring off and you could see what they look like now. It was like the Bayer tapestry, which, of course, is very famous, but it's not a tapestry. It's an embroidery. And it wasn't made in Bayer. It was made in this country and shipped over there. They had all these seamstresses. So why do people tell lies? does annoy me so much, honestly. Henry VIII. But, uh, you know, there you go. So you have a nice time, Harry. I'm sure you will, actually. A bit early to be going there. But uh, they've got a nice cafe. You can get some food and a hot cup of tea or something like that. If you're a member of historic royal palaces, uh, you don't pay to go in. And you've got your own little private room in there. They give you the, co the code for the door. And you can buy yourself a little cup of tea in there. There's nobody else in there. You'll be sitting there by yourself, looking out the windows, looking at the characters. And you get 10% off discount. And you can go every single day free for a year. And you can also go to the Banqueting House. And you can go to Kew Palace. And you can go to the Tower of London. And there's another one I can't remember. But uh, you can go to all these places for free if you join Historic Royal Palaces. Good gift for Christmas. Good gift to Christmas, I promise, you know, for people sort of going, oh, I don't know what to buy somebody. Either afternoon tea somewhere, which is good, which is, I think, you know, for anybody, not cheap, not cheap. Always, you know, you're looking to pay on average 60 quid, 65, 70, if not a little bit more if you have champagne thrown in. But that's a good thing. But historic royal palaces is good. As uh, Harry will be realising later on, they don't get any government funding. They are self-funding, so they rely on donations and people going there. And, I believe, at Hampton Court Palace, they've got an ice rink. They always put one up. Whereas at the Natural History Museum this year, they don't have an ice rink or a set of gallopers, which is a bit disappointing. Uh, Fran says, I could listen to you talk all day, Steve. It's minus nine here in Oxfordshire, and my flat is currently 16 degrees, but still not got the heating on. The menopause has a lot to answer for. 
I know. Uh, Shane says, Steve, we don't want Peter Andre. Well, not here in New South Wales. Uh, and Monica says, uh, loving the show. Going to get the ironing done now. See, I have somebody who does it for me. I don't do ironing. That's one of those. That's one of the advantages of being a radio presenter. I just cannot be bothered. In fact, I don't even possess an ironing board. I've got nothing like that at all. So uh, my uh, my friend does it for me, which is very good because he has a shop where they do ironing. Rob in Hatfield says, I called into our local Tesco yesterday and this idiot came out in shorts and a T-shirt, flip, uh, flip-flops and a wooden hat. Woolen hat. What's the world coming to? My postman's the same. Shorts. Shorts. Perhaps they don't feel the cold or something like that, which is terrible. So as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> trousers, thick socks, admittedly short sleeve shirt, but I've got a big thick jacket with me and a big thick scarf. And uh, I shall be uh, sitting on the train later, looking looking resplendent. But at least I, I couldn't get... I said to somebody, somebody said, could I wear this coat? And uh, I think it was John's uh, sister in Paul Cooper's shop. And I said, listen, it doesn't matter what you look like in the clothing. As long as you're warm, that's all that matters. I couldn't care less. If somebody goes, oh, you look ridiculous, you go, listen... I'm nice and warm and toasty. You, you can freeze your bits to pieces. I couldn't care less. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Morning. Do you know, here's, here's the useless fact of the day. More than 1,100 children, some as young as 10, have been charged with stealing a car in the last three years. Ten. Unbelievable. The Ministry of Justice revealed 1,156 under-18s were accused of vehicle theft, which is more than one a day. Most were at least 15, but 10% were 15 or 14, and 11 and 12-year-olds made up 7%. That's unbelievable that somebody at 10 can actually steal a car. I've electrified mine. Touch the door handle. <laughs> Uh, I tell you, you, don't do it again, second time. And then you fall over in the snow, which makes me laugh as well. Uh, also, uh, a burglar who had uh, police on a terrifying 100-mile-an-hour chase in a stolen Porsche has been jailed. Michael McDonough, who's got the, one of the stupidest haircuts you've ever seen in your entire life. He's got the word crim written all over him. He's 44. Dashcam footage shared by police saw him swerving in the car in Kidderminster. Who comes from Kidderminster? James O'Brien. Does he know there's crims in his area? Stealing boxsters? Anyway, strange enough, Madonna, uh, M- McDonough of Sunbury was convicted of burglary, fraud, dangerous driving, escaping lawful custody, obstructing police and driving without a licence and also having a really stupid haircut. So they've sent him to prison for 10 years while he contemplates what an idiot he completely is. Steve, we got a box of 80 instant noodles in Costco as I like having them after a night shift. So kimchi noodles with leftover chicken and a fried egg on top. Oh, not sure about that, actually. Not sure about that. Uh, JR in Hartford says, looking forward to Christmas. I shall be my daughters for the day with my mother, Joan, who is still sprightly at 101 and still lives at home on her own in Chessant. She loves her glass of Prosecco. Oh, how wise. <laughs> what a wonderful person. She's going to live forever. I shall raise a glass myself to all those carers out there. Bless them all. God bless them, everyone. And uh, Steve, Sandra in Broxbourne, says Sarah will back me up on this. I also live in Broxbourne and the pavements walking into Hoddesdon, where the major stores are, have not been gritted or cleared of the snow and ice. And I've seen so many people, elderly, falling over and hurting themselves. Isn't part of paying council taxes to make sure the streets are gritted in the bad weather? Yes. 
Yes, it is. You could probably take them to court. I mean, whether you'd win, I've got no idea. Uh, Steve, did you know that when you have a kiss under the mistletoe, you're supposed to remove one of the berries? I wouldn't touch them. They're poisonous, aren't they? Highly dangerous. <laughs> Says, I'm not too sure what you do with it, but once they've all gone... It has to be replaced with a new sprig. There's plenty of it in Bushy Park, but it's far too high to nick. Oh, it's not, David. Oh, it's not. <laughs> I could tell you stories. I know people that climb into Bushy Park and take it down from the trees. Uh, Steve, I've got a tooth abscess. Abscess. I'm awaiting delivery from Iceland at 6am. Living on scrambled eggs and porridge. Dentist in four days. But you are keeping me going. Well, there you go, which is nice. Uh, Steve, I suppose a plank with holes cut in it was an improvement on a hole in the ground. Uh, not much, though. Not much. And um, Bob, the white van man, says, can you do something about the traffic in Twickenham? It's very popular. Very, but that's the trouble. You know, we have to have traffic. We all own at least two or three cars. It's very nice. You know, I've not even checked on my um, lottery tickets yet. I must check on those, you know, just in case there's a little bit of a little bit of a win before Christmas, you know. Might be £3.60 or something. And uh, Steve says, Roger, love the show. However, oh, here we go. Here we go. When you were giving information as how to listen to your podcast via Alexa, as soon as you mentioned her name, mine lit up and I missed all the contact information. So could you again please say, without mentioning her name, what, Alexa? Sorry, I must say Alexa. Oh! Sorry, did it again. Anyway, so if you want to catch up on the show via the podcast, it's now exclusively available on Global Player. This is the whole show. OK, this is not the little bit extra. That's still where you find it at the moment. It's still free, still amazing and brilliant, just not available anywhere else. So if you haven't already got Global Player, this is what you need to do. You can either download it from your app store or visit globalplayer.com. Once you've got it, Simply go to the podcast section and search for Steve Allen, The Whole Show. If you're listening on a smart speaker, just say, open Global Player and play Steve Allen, The Whole Show podcast. I thank you. OK, that make it clear to everybody? I do hope so. I do hope so. Uh, Anthony, the fruit and veg delivery man, says, locked in via the Global app, working fine. Had to bring in the big flask today en route to Kent. Very icy on the roads. Just be very careful. I've seen so many accidents with people mainly driving lorries and they've got a flask and they're pouring the tea out and then smash into the car in front, which has braked because something's wandered into the road. In West Wales, Steve, it is minus eight, says Robert. Oh, God. Terrible, isn't it? And uh, apparently, Roger says, terrible news. According to Jeremy Hunt, Carrie Johnson's 850 quid a roll wallpaper has disappeared. They've painted over it. They've painted over it. How thick do you have to be? 850 quid a roll. They've painted over it. They could have got a steamer in and steamed it off and taken it all. It's 850 quid a roll, but they've painted over it. And somebody said the other day, are they mad? And you go, yes. Yes, they are absolutely mad. Uh, Matt says, you mentioned Hampton Court was thinking of becoming a, a member there. Go online, type in Historic Royal Palaces. OK, you'll find it on the internet and it will tell you how you can join. You can do it all online. They will send you the membership card. You pay on credit card either for a single person or a family or a bigger family. And you can go to f it's either five or six different places in the course of the year as many times as you want. You get a discount in the cafes in all of the places, 10%. And in the gift shops, you get 10% discount. I mean, it's the best value. So if you want to go to Hampton Court every single day of your life and use the members room, you can do that. And then you can go to the, the cafe 
and you can get your meal and you show the card and you get your 10% discount. It's uh, been operating for years and it's very, very good. So you must go. And also, I mean, if, if you've got a, a pensioner card, you get a discount on the boats which ply their trade up and down the river, which is very good. Have you ever noticed how many of your contributors are named David or Dave? Yes, Dave, I had noticed that, actually. It was the second most popular boy's name in the late 50s and early 60s and may give you an idea of the age range of some of your listeners. Well, obviously, some of them, because we actually, we're very lucky on this programme. We actually cover... All the ages. Nine to 90, they've always said. Nine to 90, which is uh, which is very nice. That's why we're very popular. Can't help it. I mean, it's just one of those things we have to live with. You know, people sort of say, it's like the producer. He'll all of a sudden forget to put up the name in the newsreader or whatever it is, mainly because he'll sort of say to me, you know, the programme was so interesting, I was following it. Whereas I always think to myself, yes, following it, but not with your eyes closed. It doesn't work like that. You have to keep your eyes open for the programme. Uh, Robert in Detroit michigan motortown i'm in a dilemma he says for about the same price as a recent model mark 7 golf i can buy a classic mark 2 golf like the one my dad had in the 80s bangers and cash would probably put heart overhead and go for the mark 2 but if you were in my shoes which would you buy a 10 year old stealing it notwithstanding it's a big financial commitment for me and i don't want to get it wrong don't ask me i know nothing about cars i'm the worst person I mean, you know, if you look at the Mark II VW Golf, it could set you back about 80 grand. It could set you back about 80 grand. So, you know, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult... I mean, there's loads for sale. Loads for sale. It's just that, yeah, why would you want to buy that? I mean, for 80 grand, blimey, you can, you can buy really good rolls for that. The only problem is... It isn't the case of buying Rolls or Bentleys or things like that, because people always make me laugh. They go, oh, it's really expensive. I say, no, it's not expensive to run. It's to have it serviced as expensive. You know, you've got to be prepared for things like that. But mine are always perfect. Always perfect. I've never had anything major go wrong. The nearest thing you might get would be a tyre. And then you lose about 350 quid. Only in Kidderminster, says Dan. One good thing, there's a Foley's chippy. Oh, I love a chippy. Love a chippy. And uh, uh, Steve, taking in the Christmas cupcakes for my team today before I eat them all. I bought them to take in and forgot about the strike days. What's the bet I won't eat any on the way into East Croydon from Eastbourne? I brought in yesterday uh, Costco mince pies. Two trays of 18. Nine in each tray. They went very quickly. Even my boss wrote to me and said, they're enormous. And for some reason, put an exclamation mark. I couldn't quite understand why there was an exclamation mark on there. But uh, they were in. A, but they weren't all. They 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 were really nice. They were quite light actually. They were really quite light. Did you not have one? No, probably just as well with your weight problem. But uh, no, they they were they went they went really quickly. In fact, before we'd even left the studio, they'd eaten seven of the blooming things. And then there was some which I left on my boss's desk because I'm a bit creepy like that, you know. It's like, it's like taking sort of stuff in for the teacher. You know, other kids used to take in an apple. I used to take in half of Waitrose, you know. Take, there you go, teacher. All for you, just to make sure that you got sort of better marks. David says, I have to confess, I once stole a car when I was 12 years old. It was owned by a friend of mine and still in the original box. da 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 <laughs> uh, Buenos dias, Steve. Say Victoria from Madrid. Please, can you say a good morning to my partner who's about to leave the house to drive an NHS bus around Berkshire in order to encourage the public to have the flu COVID vaccination? Have they still not had them all? 
I am, listen, I'm jabbed up to the eyeballs. I'm, have you had all of your things? What a shame. And it's still working, but there you go. Kind of everything. Listening from mild but wet northern Spain, says Andrew. What happened to the guy you interviewed who wrote Lucy in the afternoon? You didn't quite finish the story. Well, that was it. He just wrote a book about playing chess with her. Actually, it was some years ago. I should imagine he's dead by now. But uh, it was it was very interesting. Mind you, I also wrote uh, I also wrote I also read a book and interviewed a guy who'd written a book about the trial of Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson was put on trial in America, but in fact he was dead. It was an unusual case, and they tried him after he died because a boyfriend that he went out with claimed that he had sex with him whilst knowing that he was HIV positive. So they put Rock Hudson on trial, and in the courtroom there was just an empty chair and that's where he would have sat and he lost he lost and I think he had to pay something like 30 million well his estate had to pay about 30 million pounds because he'd knowingly not telling this person that he was HIV positive because he was in dynasty I think or, or yes he was in dynasty and he had to kiss one of the characters in it while he was HIV positive and the papers made a big thing about it. I remember it being front page of the papers because I don't think they admitted that he was ill. They didn't talk about the fact that he was HIV positive and you could see him getting iller and iller on the programme. And I think it was Linda Evans that he kissed. I'm pretty certain, pretty certain it was Linda Evans that he kissed and people were saying, you know, he should have told her that he was positive. It was, I thought so. And, um, but one of his big champions was Elizabeth Taylor. She then campaigned and raised money for uh, awareness of AIDS and things like that. But yeah, he was he was put on trial for having sex with uh, with somebody. Imagine Liberace the same. Liberace wrote his biography, and uh, it featured all these women that he'd allegedly slept with. I don't know why I'm saying allegedly because he didn't. And uh, a boyfriend who wrote a book about him saying, when you read his book, every time he mentions a woman, it's a bloke. Simple as that, because in those days you didn't come out with your sexuality and Liberace was one of those who didn't come out with his sexuality, even though a man, you know, with a bad toupee on his head, swathed in white mink with diamonds on his fingers and buttons and playing the piano very camply, nobody would have guessed. Never would have guessed. One of those things. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC, with Steve Allen. Morning, nice to have your company. Roger says, as the Davids die off... They'll be replaced by the Callums, the Kyles and the Morgans in years to come. <laughs> I love it. Uh, David in Stone says, I tried to buy some of the Haddock Chowder you recommended at three M&S stores and they'd all sold out. The power of the Allen is far reaching. It is. I was lucky yesterday because when I got back home, first thing I did, I dumped my bag in the car and nipped to Marks and Spencer's and they had it on the shelf. I bought four. I bought four pots of the haddock chowder, mainly because it's a it's a winter warmer. And I like a winter warmer and a good bit of soup is very nice. Haddock chowder, as long as it's a proper haddock chowder. That's why I'm looking forward over the weekend to try my uh, Callum skink. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Harry back again. This is the one on the coach, remember? And he said that we've had to leave Plymouth early to reach Hampton Court due to the impact of all the strikes. We're looking forward to arriving, even if we're all very tired. Allegedly, some of Henry VIII's wives haunt the palace. No, they don't. Don't start that old twaddle. There's no such thing as ghosts. OK, no, there isn't. No, there isn't. You just you're perpetuating a myth and making people think they've gone barking mad. It's not behind me. There is no Henry. The, no Henry VIII behind me. 
But uh, what, what they've got at Hampton Court, and I, I don't know if they've still got it, but they had a little hidden projector with a woman dressed in Tudor garb. And as you go through the corridor, she emerges from one wall and walks straight through the other one. And it was very cleverly done, very, very clever. And I remember thinking then, that's good. And I mentioned it to a friend of mine and they said, well, we've been there three times and we've never seen her. I said, she comes out of the wall and then she goes, because there are hidden staircases in Hampton Court Palace all over the place. You look in the room, look round the room and you will see there'll be a line and that will be the hidden staircase so that the staff can get from the kitchens up to the bedrooms. There's all back staircases and everything else. And it's, uh, it's very good. You'll love it, actually. You'll love it. But uh, fancy leaving that early. Steve says, uh, John, in Colchester, I was talking to my eight-and-a-half-year-old son who was begging me to listen to the Steve Allen show, and I had to tell him, no, Steve has said it's only people from nine to 90. <laughs> I had to say to him, you think you have it bad? I've got to tell Granny we're going to have to take the radio away next week on her 90th birthday. She will not be happy. Well, I think so, too. Nine to 90, that's the rules. OK, that is the rules. If you're eight and a half, forget it. If you're coming up to sort of, you know, 90, well, that'd be the last time you were listening to it. I'm not arguing with people. I'm just telling you the fact. OK, if we have to come round, break your door down and take your radio away, only certain people will be allowed to listen to the radio. You know, so you know what's going to happen? We're going to turn into a nation of liars. You're going to have to be, when, when, the, when, the, when the, the Steve Allen police knock on the door, you're going to have to go, I'm nine and three quarters... We're going to go, no, you're not, you're 90. No, I'm nine and three quarters, definitely. And, yeah, fib, just tell him you're 87, then you can listen to the programme. Thank you, John, in Colchesterford, which is lovely. Uh, what else we got? Uh, what else we got? Oh, the I knew this was an interesting story. Because, you know, I'm fascinated by history. And a network of First World War training trenches, along with two centuries-old shipwrecks, have been added to the National Heritage List. An 18th-century watermill drawn by John Constable, is also among the 240 sites listed by Historic England. Both shipwrecks were discovered at Shingles Bank off the Isle of Wight and are from the 16th and 17th century. See, I'm fascinated by things like this, because when you go and see, and you will go and see the Mary Rose, I think it should be on your bucket list next year of places to go to, because what you're looking at... When you go inside what looks like a giant aircraft hangar and the lights are very dim, but they've illuminated and they've got cabinets with all the stuff in there, you are looking at Henry VIII's Tudor warship. You are looking at something that survived. Only half of it. The other half, that the half that survived was in the mud, which preserved it. So when they brought it up, they had to inject it with sort of a glue and everything else to keep it going. And it was drenched in water for years. But uh, it, it was one of the best places I've ever been to, the most atmospheric. And they've got everything. They've got everything in there. They've got the cannons because it was all in the same place. They just had to dredge around. They've got the, the ship's dog, Skeleton, in there. Yeah, poor little thing. It's in a cabinet now. Uh, just the bones of it. Because when it went down, you know, 700 men were on it, I believe, at the time. And they've got everything. Bowls of food, arrows, you know, longbows, all sorts of other cannons. How this thing floated, I'll never know. But anyway, the network of trenches in Norfolk, you'll see a picture in some of the papers or you'll find them online, um, were used by the Lovat Scouts, which is a regiment of the Scottish Highland Yeomanry and commanded by Lord Lovett, uncle of the SAS founder David Stirling. If you look at the pictures of them, you would miss them. You'll walk through the wood and you'll see this, we used to call it a ditch. These were the, the training trenches. Mind you, they're still finding 
trading trenches now, aren't they, over in Ypres and places like that, and they find all sorts of bits and pieces. I found half an aircraft that came down. And I always think that if it wasn't for the people doing all this research and uh, documenting things, we wouldn't know about it. We really wouldn't. Uh, apparently, Helen Skelton makes all the papers say, oh, no, it's a very boring story. When she joined Strictly, she was a broken-hearted wreck. A broken-hearted wreck because her husband had walked out on her in April. But days before competing in the final, she's declared that the ballroom challenge has transferred her. She says, I've definitely found my confidence on that dance floor. Because she went on to it saying, oh, it's so my family can see me smile again. And you think, no, it's so you can put money in the bank, dear. That's what it is. I'm sorry. It isn't, it isn't some sort of doctor's surgery where you go in there and they, they sort of shine lights on you and put you in a pretty frock. It's not like that at all. But she said it, it's wonderful to be liberating, to be happy in your own skin. Well, we're all happy in our own skin, unless you're David Icke, in which case you have no idea what skin you're in. You're probably some sort of lizard or something that came from another century. But no, we're all happy in our own skin. I'm looking at my skin now, scarred and battle-worn that it might be, but I'm still very happy with it. They did, they come up with garbage, these people. They really do. I'm surprised Peter Andre's not come up with, you know, I'm very happy in my skin. Uh, I love my blended family. Frank's girls are my little mates. Oh, it's Christine. How are you, Lampard? I haven't seen her for a while, actually, on Loose Women. In fact, I haven't seen, actually, quite a few of the, uh, of the old regulars on Loose Women. I haven't... Um, who have I not seen for a while? Janet Street Porter, you can't get away... Because, basically, they have to take her out of the home and put her in the set. Because it's the, it's the only thing. They have to defrost her. First of all, they go, oh, uh, uh, Janet's going to be with us today. So they go, Who, who's that? Oh, right, yeah. Is it, will, will she be all right? They go, I don't know. She's been in deep freeze for God knows how long. And they thaw her out. And for the first bit of the programme, the old bag doesn't say very much at all. Then magically she comes to life. You know why? If you looked under the table, you would think she was incontinent. But she's not. It's the ice that is dripping away. And then when she finishes on the set, they bundle her into the back of an ambulance, take her back to the deep freeze unit, shove her in there. And she stays there for another year. Yeah, it's the way it works. With too much of Colleen as well. I'm, I'm a bit bored with Colleen. She obviously thinks she's really funny. Colleen Nolan, the one who didn't sing. She just la la in the Nolans. And she wasn't there for the hits anyway. And so, you know, I mean, we could do with less of her. We, we quite like... Um, who do we like on the programme? We like Carol McGiffin. She can be a bit feisty at times. I like her. And, uh, and Jane Moore I like. Although I was horrified to discover a short while ago that her and her old man have split. And I thought, in fact, they, they split a little while ago because I thought they were great. Gary, her old man's called. He's lovely, absolutely lovely. But it's, it's just the way... I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and I thought, a bit odd, I haven't seen him out on the town with his uh, girlfriend and baby and everything. It turns out they split up five months ago. Nobody tells me anything. I wish they'd put it in the papers, but they don't. You know, and he, he, I said, he said, um, yeah, we split up about five months ago. I said, oh, right. I said, thank God you never got married. <laughs> That'd cost you a bit, because he's got his own business. You know, and all of a sudden you could have a business, then you could lose it, because they've got a kiddie. And uh, really bad, really bad. On the subject of Rolls-Royce cars, Steve says, Dan in Lingfield. I think I know Lingfield. Uh, my dad's boss, many years ago, drove his to France. When he got there, it broke down. He called Rolls-Royce out. They got the car running, and he carried on with the trip. Weeks later... He called them to see why he hadn't received an invoice, to which they replied, you must have made a mistake, sir, as our cars do not break down and have a nice day. Interestingly enough, I made a mistake with my car about five, six years ago. And, um, and um, I put oil into the petrol tank. Don't ask me why. 
I'd put oil in. I was, I was sort of topping up with oil. Anyway, I then thought, oh, no. And I was frightened to start it. So I called the AA. And the AA came round. But the interesting thing was they came round with a, a car transporter covered. Covered. And I said, oh, it's covered. And he said, yes, he said, they don't want anybody to see that a Rolls Royce has broken down. So it was a covered transporter. When I took it to the garage, who I've known for years and years and years, and I said I put the... He said, you could have driven it quite easily. He said it wouldn't have made the slightest difference. But it was the fact that it was a covered transporter, which they covered, so nobody could see that we were driving a Rolls Royce, which had broken down. Such was the, uh, such was the admiration in which they held the mark. That cool. They don't do that in your car, do they? They just basically put a sign on the back of your car going, it's broken down again. You know, and then you just have to face the humiliation of sitting there going, I'm really so sorry. I'm so sorry I bought a rubbish car. You know, that's the way it goes. It's so uh, good. But I didn't realise you could sort of drive one of these things, but it was hiding it in a covered uh, transporter. All good stuff. This is LBC from Global. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, nice to have your company. Welcome to it. It's another freezing cold day and it's not going to get any better, unfortunately. I wish I could offer you a crumb of comfort and say we're due a heat wave. The best I can offer you is on Sunday, the Met Office have said, between 9 and 11 degrees. I mean, that, that will be positive bikini weather. Not for me, of course, as you well understand. But it's a case of most people are just freezing to death in this. Even the buses are cold. Strangely, in the summer, the heating appears to be on on the buses. And yet, in the middle of the winter, when we're all frozen to death, it's freezing cold. I don't understand it. My car this morning coming in was very nicely heated. But if I get an electric car... They don't put the heating on because it costs so much money. Ridiculous. But it doesn't matter. Anyway, nice to have your company. I hope you are well, managing to get into work, which is good news. So today there's no train strike. But because of yesterday, it's a case of they're all in the wrong place. So it's going to take them a bit of a while to get them sort of back to normal. And then at 6.30 this evening, I think, we go back into the train strike again. And that will also go for Saturday. But we're coping. We're coping. I don't see anybody sobbing outside train stations or anything like that. You know, people are coping with it because it's a case of you have to. Don't go to work, don't get paid. You know, and I refuse to be sort of held to ransom. So I come to work, I can get home. If it means that I have to take a tube and then I have to take a bus, well, so be it. So be it, you know. And uh, there's going to be all sorts of uh, people demonstrating outside hospitals and things like that. I think most people in this country, I think they did a survey and said, I think it was in excess of 65% of people were in favour of the nurses getting a pay rise. But, and here comes the big but, it's got to be realistic. I thought they were looking for something like 19%. And I don't think they're going to get 19%. Well, in fact, I could almost swear to God they're not going to get 19%. They have to strike a deal, a compromise. Some of the papers are trying to stir up a bit of uh, stuff with the RMT saying, you know, a lot of members of the RMT, how they know these things, I have no idea unless they contact them, are saying that they might have to defy the union. They want to go back to work. They want to accept 9%. All it would take is the union just to have a ballot, you know, an honest ballot, and find out whether or not people want to accept 9% or whether they don't, because you're going to lose money. I told you, I know of a postman, he's down £1,000 already. And this is at Christmas time when people need the money. People have got bills to pay. 
if these strikes run into next year, which I think some of them will, because I think I think personally some of the union leaders are barking up the wrong tree. You know, they're not the ones suffering. We're the ones suffering because of the trains, but we're managing to do it. We're managing to get into work, managing to get out. I think we all agree the nurses do earn, you know, very little money for what they do. They need more money. And, you know, whether they get their 19 percent, unlikely, but the Royal College of Nursing are staging their first ever national walkout today. It is quite an historic day and there will be no doubt lots of interviews uh, on the radio and on television and in the newspapers of nurses out there freezing to death. Because those uniforms that they put them in, in the hospitals, they're about as thin as that. You know, you need something, so they have to put coats on and everything else. They are. I don't think they're undervalued, because I think anybody who's ever been inside the NHS has always said what a great job they do. I have no complaints about the NHS whatsoever. They've been absolutely miraculous for me. You know, with all my various... I mean, for goodness sake, honestly, I've been iller than most people. But uh, they've always sorted me out and always been absolutely brilliant and do it with a smile. So more money? Absolutely. How much money? That's what they're going to have to agree on. And the RMT, they have to decide. Do you want to keep people out? Because if the government have said, which I believe they have said, I think Rishi said it already, that uh, this is what the offer is on the table and it ain't going anymore. They're arguing about people losing their jobs and closing. We had this thing the other day with closing the ticket offices. But, uh, you know, there will be things open. They're not getting rid of all the staff. You know, there will be a few people who will lose their jobs or they'll be relocated to something else. You know, I don't quite see the problem with that at all. Far better than just sort of hanging around freezing. I wouldn't mind, but Waterloo Station, it's the only one I can talk about, it's freezing cold. No heating on it at all. Isn't that odd? Well, how can you heat a station? And the answer is you can't. You have to get on the train and hope they've got the heating on, which they have, actually, which they have in many occasions. Uh, Anthony says, since you mentioned the mince pies with cream, I've been into several Morrison stores now, none to be found. Tell them to sort it out. It's because it's become uh, very popular. Very, very popular. Very popular. Steve, it's Cullenskink after the village uh, uh, in Aberdeenshire, says Alex, not Callanskink. Yes, we know what it looks like. It's right on the coast. It's on the Moray Firth. So I know these things. I know where the, these places are. Uh, to be honest with you, I think it's a bit overcrowded. I've had a look at the houses there. There's a little bit too many of them. I would expect, you know, years ago, there weren't as many houses and then they keep built. Now they've got roads, everything. It's very pretty. And they've got beach and they've got, you know, the, uh, the, the sort of the bits and pieces there. It's got everything you need. It's even got a viaduct. You know, and not many places. We haven't got a viaduct in Twickenham. We wanted one, but they, they decided not to. Uh, Steve, does the covered transporter for Rolls Royces apply to Bentleys? Yes. Yes, it does. They just cover it over. It's interesting, isn't it? I'd never thought about that before. Uh, somebody else saying, have you tried those Morrisons? No, I haven't. No. Actually, I've got to watch. I, I, I nearly said I've got to watch my weight, but I'm being really good at the moment. You know, soup is hardly that fattening. It's okay. It's not, I mean, it's not utterly brilliant, but it's okay. Steve, uh, castle membership, 62 quid per year. So that's for, that's for everything. That's for the historic royal palaces, £62 for a single person. And it's worth every penny. I promise you, worth every penny. Go for it for 62 quid, good Lord. And uh, Steve says, Viv in Suffolk, off to Fortnum's today. Well, look at you. 
for afternoon tea with my friend Jane, our yearly treat, and we buy it for each other for Christmas. So excited. Posh clothes, all ready to wear for the occasion. Fingers crossed my train dis to Liverpool Street is on time. So happy Thursday. Oh, I hope it's on time as well. Sounds lovely. Wrap up, though. It's cold. It's very, very cold. Well, you have a nice time. Fortnum's is lovely. They've got lovely window displays at the moment. Fortnum's got really lovely window displays. Because I, I see them and I come in, because sometimes, we, as opposed to turning right down uh, into Pall Mall, we go straight up to Piccadilly Circus and I can have a look at Fortnum's. And also, and um, sorry, and also all the, uh, the other windows are up and looking particularly lovely. But Fortnum's always do it. I quite like it as an old-fashioned sort of shop. I quite like things like that. It's like men in frock coats. It's, it reminds me of Grace Brothers. It's not quite as bad. Talking of apples, Steve, I was at the, uh, the dentist on Monday and the receptionist had one on her desk. When I asked what type it was, she held it next to her, shook it and said, it's a Cox. When I asked how she knew, she said it's the only type of apple which rattles as the pips are loose. When I got home, I tried it and it's true. How could I get to the grand old age of nearly 60 and not known this? So you shake a cox's next to your ear and it's got pips that are loose in it. What do you mean they're loose? I don't like an apple with pips in it. I try and avoid things like that. But I do like a toffee apple. I do like a toffee That's I'm a bit of a, a bit of a fiend for a toffee apple. I don't candy floss I couldn't care less about. But uh, a toffee apple, completely different. You know, really very, very nice indeed. And uh, this is uh, yeah, Fortnum and Mason's. Piccadilly uh, windows. They're, they're really lovely. I think, I think window dressers are terribly clever. Terribly good. But all these things would be planned ages in advance. We used to love it more when there was something moving in the window. You would go past Hamleys and there would be sort of figures that were moving or a train set running round. And I loved anything like that. Very clever people. Very clever people. They Sort of the unsung heroes, because it's the windows that get you sort of to go in there and then you can get chocolate Father Christmases and all that kind of stuff. Steve, I've just scoffed down a Christmas dinner in the cafe, says Bosch. The photographers from the newspaper turned up to take some photographs. That's how famous my brekkies are. He says, brilliant show as always. Now I'm on my way to the market. Do you remember that he was telling us, well, it wasn't the paper, was telling us the other day, he, he left school quite, quite suddenly because he was on, an entrepreneur about various adult bits and pieces. And so they took a photograph of him in the paper, eating at the cafe, which he goes to all the time. And he loves it there. He thinks it's, he thinks it's fab and very good indeed. Did you know, actually, more people were watching pornography, apparently, during lockdown? Can't imagine why. I just bought jigsaws, you know, and I was equally happy with the jigsaw. Which was, uh, which was very nice indeed. Pay the nurses anything they want. That's what I say, says John, who's a, a photographer. Oh, yeah, I've heard about people like that. What do you do for a living? Take photographs, mate, don't I? Take photographs. Steve, on the 422 bus this morning, there's actually ice on the inside of the window, says Ashley. I could make snowballs other than trying to keep mine warm. <laughs> uh, Bogner John says, best mince pies by a country mile Iceland. 10% off on Tuesdays. Yeah, this week he gave me that. I had to check the receipt because I didn't ask for it. I completely forgot. And then when I checked the receipt, I'd got my 10% off. So I obviously look ancient. I obviously look like over 60 or 65 or whatever it is. Very depressing, isn't it? Excuse me. Oh, yeah. So no train strike today, but the trains will be starting later because they're all in the wrong place from yesterday. Why they can't finish, you know, and do it. And uh, the nurses... We'll walk out today. There's another on the 20th of December. But don't worry. 
The head of the nurses' union has said the strikes could continue in January if the government doesn't negotiate with them on pay. So, you know, depending on what they're asking for, I thought it was about 19%. I don't think they're going to get that. I think realistically they'll probably settle on 12%. They've got to bring them in line. They have got to bring them in line with sort of the rest of the country. I mean, for God's sake, they're people keeping people alive. It's not complicated, is it? I see poor old Kerry Katona. There had to be a story about Kerry Katona in the paper. She must be suffering from a dearth of publicity. I don't know if this is an, an old one or not. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, it is Steve Allen. I make no apologies. I just tell you I am Steve Allen. I keep hearing my name all the time, so I'm assuming, because I'm getting a complex... I'm assuming it really is me, and I'm here till 7 o'clock this morning when Nick Ferrari will be here. What will he be talking about today? I bet you anything it'll be the nurses, top of the list. First time I've ever heard of it before, but here is the story you've been waiting on since the beginning of the programme. It's a Kerry Katona story. I mean, luckily she's disappeared from view for what seems like ages now, and let's hope it remains that way. But she once blew £14,000 on a cruise. I don't know where the heck she was going to for 14 grand, but it certainly would be way out of her depth, I should imagine. But anyway, she then refused to go on it. Why? She'd seen the film Titanic. I mean, seriously, you can't believe it. You really can't. The former atomic kinner kitten person admitted that the smash hit movie and her fear of the ocean left her too scared to get on board. So she has a fear of the ocean, so she books a 14 grand cruise. I think she's made it up. I've never heard of 14 grand cruises. Most of them, even if you go on a top-class ship and you're in a luxury suite, six or seven thousand, 14 grand, I don't think so. And also, she never would be earning that sort of money. She said, I sacrificed the lavish holiday and stayed at home. I paid 14 grand to go on a cruise. Right the day before, I said, I'm not going to go because I don't like the ocean. I mean, she's a bit stupid. I didn't go and I lost all my money. I think I just watched Titanic. And uh, anyway, she'd have no more money problems. She's boasting about earning a million pounds plus by flogging her sexy pictures. How sad, how tragic, how proud her children must be of her. It's so wonderful. But she blew 14 grand. I personally don't believe it. I think it's just a story to get herself back in the papers again. I look because if you remember, I check the prices of cruises all the time. You know, and a 14 grand, I've never seen a price of a 14 grand cruise ridiculous. Conrad says, Steve, I saw the Mary Rose a few years after she was lifted out of the sea. I watched the lifting. Yeah. And then it fell back down in. They brought it all the way up and then went back down again. The Portsmouth historic dockyard is worthwhile visiting for many displays and pieces. It is. And uh, and uh, John says, I think you need to revisit the lesson about a tease. It's supposed to make you want to keep the radio on. The promise of a story about Kerry Katona is probably likely to do the opposite. No, no, no. Not the way I sell it. Nobody can sell it like I can sell it. You know, I mean, seriously, I'm just, it's a gift. Some people could do it. Some people can't. And uh, another one here. Oh, this is the, um, the story about pantomime dames. And they've had to explain to people who are a bit dim and thick that the pantomime dames, they're not drag queens. They're not drag queens. They're generally character actors. Biggins is not a drag queen. Gary Wilmot at the Playdium is not a drag queen. They're actors who play the part of women. Technically, they can play all sorts of parts. Current panto dames claim they're not trying to be drag queens and they actually want to be funny. Clive Rowe is very famous. He's playing Mother Goose at the Hackney Empire. I think he's been there for goodness knows how many years. He says, I'm not trying to make any social comment on femininity. They're funny people. But of course, the thick people out there don't understand it. 
And uh, another one says, uh, there's somebody here, a drag queen, says, I can't go to a panto without feeling uncomfortable at the type of laughter that exists. And you think to yourself, what are you doing going to a panto anyway, dear? Shouldn't be going there. Uh, Nigel Ellicott, the dame in Richmond, their production of Goldilocks, says, we're not trying to be convincing. It's not a drag act where you look like a glamorous lady. The idea is they're supposed to look like men with frocks and wigs on. That's the whole idea. Everybody knows. It's like, you know, Danny LaRue, you know, used to come on stage and he'd go, watcher, mate. You know, looking very glamorous with the wigs and the beautiful gowns. And, uh, and, you know, and then people used to say, I know what you're thinking, he said. Where does he put it? Where does he put it? And he said, well, I've been doing it so long now, I whistle. He said, and it goes away by itself. But, uh, yeah, don't, don't try and read something into it. It's supposed to be an entertainment. But if, if you've got a problem with it, don't book for a pantomime, OK? You'll be very disappointed and you'll be very, very upset. I mean, Danny was very, very glam. Very, very glam. His wigs and his costumes made by the lovely Annie... Uh, he always claimed, actually, in his uh, his biography, that he'd never seen drag, you know, whereas it was very popular in London pubs, uh, from Hammersmith to uh, to the Embankment. There were all sorts of pubs having drag on, and they were very, very popular. There used to be a place in Soho called Madame Jojo's, and the majority of people who went there were women. Hen parties used to go and see drag because they couldn't believe that these blokes could dress up and look better than they did. And they did used to look better. They sang and they danced and they tap danced. They did all sorts of things. A friend of mine years and years ago, he used to do drag. Uh, not because he wanted to dress up as a woman. It was just another way of earning a living. And he did magic. He was a, a drag magician. And you know how much I love magic. And it was, uh, it was just amazing. It was very, very, very interesting. But don't ever think that they're drag queens. They're actors on stage having to dress up as women because they're comedy characters. Comedy characters. Um, what else we've got in the paper? Oh, Yuri Geller. Like a story about Yuri Geller. This is a man who claims to bend metal with the power of his mind. A load of old rubbish, if you ask me. You know, because if you're going to do something and you have the gift of being able to change the molecular structure of a teaspoon, then, you know, if you can't think of anything better than bending a spoon, you need to get the heck off this planet. Go somewhere else. He's hit out at suggestions from a mind expert. The people who've seen ghosts and aliens have got brain damage. They call him a spoon-bending psychic. It was always proven that he didn't actually bend spoons at all. He had to hold them to bend them. Don't want to say too much about it, but, you know. But uh, he says, I haven't come across any paranormal phenomena that cannot be explained by a damaged brain. Uh, this is what the, uh, the uh, person said, Saul Martinez Horta. Yuri rubbished the claims and insisted he's entitled to his own opinions that aliens and ghosts do exist. He says, I would say that millions of people believe in UFOs. Millions claim they've seen UFOs and ghosts, so you can't debunk that. Of course you can. Of course you can. You can say it doesn't exist. You can't prove it. I can't prove it. Stalemate. That's it. You know, you can't do anything about it at all, I'm afraid. But uh, he says, uh, therefore, when somebody dies, what happens to their energy? Well, there isn't any energy when they die. They're dead. <laughs> you know, if you want to believe that maybe people sort of come back into your life again, that's fine. But there is no energy or anything like that. He says, anybody who says people who believe in the supernatural are brain damaged, that's terrible. No, they're just people who exaggerate. They haven't, you know, they haven't seen it. They generally drink, you know, or failing that, they're just a bit do-lally. 
you know, they sort of go, oh, I saw a ghost, they walked through this wall. No, they didn't. No, they really didn't, I promise you. You know, I keep inviting for the last 43 years ghosts and aliens to come and join me in the studio. We're still waiting for the call. So far, nothing has happened. All I get is the producer, which is roughly the same as an alien and uh, a ghost. So here he is. Here he is, the world's most intelligent chef and aspiring chef, Brooklyn Beckham, treating fans to a new cooking tutorial on how to make spaghetti in a salad. I mean, seriously, it gets more pathetic by the day. Apparently, the self-professed nutter in the kitchen... I mean, it really, it's, so, it's almost so pathetic. You feel like maybe having him sorted out by somebody. He says here, as well as boiling spaghetti, he made fried tuna steak with sesame seeds and a lemon and egg glaze while slicing up cucumbers for his salad and mixing them with radishes. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost bordering on senility. How old is he? Followers were not impressed. Somebody says, what's your job? What do you do for work? He doesn't do anything. He fannies around, you know, pretending that he's a chef. Apparently, Brooklyn claimed that uh, he was very experimental when making drinks, and he proved it. He made a gin and tonic with gin and tonic. He's unbelievably intelligent. It's hilarious. Almost as good as old Dave, you know. Uh, tennis age Serena Williams replied to video saying, Can I come over? I mean, there's something the matter with these people. He made spaghetti. He's 23. You know, God knows what he can do with the rest of his life. Answer? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all, I shouldn't imagine. What else we got? Oh, there's a lovely one here. A family have praised their sausage dog. I don't like sausage dogs. I don't like that. They always look as though they're scraping their bottom on the ground. You look at them and you think... They don't, and you watch them walking and I just feel sorry for them. I don't know why. But this one here is, is called Wally. He's a sausage dog, and he's a miniature dachshund, so even worse. This one's even tinier. He realised something was sizzling and barking so loudly that his owner, Chris Bebbington, came running, and uh, their house burnt down. And the dog told him it was going to burn down. Now, if he'd been a really good dog, he'd have got a bucket of water, thrown it over the fire, gone to phone the fire brigade. No, he just went, woo, 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 and that apparently means something. In their household, it means your house is going to disappear. So it was like, you know, we used to see it, didn't we, with Skippy, the very butch kangaroo on the television programme. And Skippy had come back and go, like that. And somebody said, what's that, Skippy? Somebody caught in a mine. Two miners underground. You know, I mean, I've never heard anything like it before in my life. So this, this miniature dachshund, for God's sake, somebody teach it English. So at least it can tell you the next time round. Listen, I was trying to explain to you, the kitchen's burning down. I don't have any money to phone uh, because my phone has got no, no credit on it. And I couldn't reach the sink because I'm a miniature dachshund. Perfectly normal, isn't it? Uh, Mr Neil, he says, uh, Steve, we took all the family to our local panto in Harlow on Saturday. We go every year and the whole production, he says, was absolutely outstanding. The cast of the two main characters write and appear every year and are fantastic. Strange enough, I'd heard about somebody else who also went to the Harlow pantomime. Good old Mr Neil. I hope your power has been restored, because the other day, all of a sudden, his power went off at home. But he had log fires, but even so, you know, without the power on, things get very chilly very, very quickly. So I'm hoping uh, everything is good. But I'm glad you enjoyed the pantomime. Got, uh, got some very, very good reviews. Also, the um, Palladium pantomime. Very, very good reviews. About the most expensive in town. 
And uh, John in Colchester says, Conrad said he saw the Mary Rose being taken out of the water. Surely that's nothing. You saw it put in. Right, you're barred. That's it. You'll never write to anybody ever again. Might as well give up now. Brian in Luton says, brought some turkey and stuffing crisps from Savers yesterday. They're delicious. Yeah, but what's on them? It'll be a, it'll be a some sort of flavouring, like a flavouring of a salt, won't it? Or something like that. I nearly bought some Pringles the other day to bring in here, but the trouble is with Pringles, you can only eat them with salad cream. Oh, yeah, you get Pringles on a sandwich... On a sandwich, thin th- butter and 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 you put the the salad, and the salad cream over the top, delicious. That's a meal in itself. Seriously, celebrate Christmas with a Pringle. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC with Steve Allen. Morning, nice to have you company. Twenty six minutes to seven. It's still cold. I wish I could tell you that all of a sudden there's a heat wave arriving, but uh, but there isn't. Cat uh, says my daughter used to work with one of Danny Larue's nieces. She had very fond memories. And Sidcup Julie says I went to Madame Jojo's. I loved it. The men that worked there were very good looking, and I loved the shows they put on. Yeah, people used to go there. In fact, it was it was very very popular. But uh, Danny, if you put Danny in on on YouTube, you'll see him doing a programme called The Good Old Days, hosted by Leonard Sachs. And uh, he he just looked glam. He looked very, very glamorous. He knew what he was doing. He was top of his game and he was a huge star in this country. Huge star. Uh, Steve. (laughs) John says, I think you'll find the reason ghosts haven't responded to your call to contact the show... It's because they're not between the ages of nine and 90. OK, OK. Uh, Derek Acora allowed energies to enter and speak through him. What are your thoughts, says Ian? He was a fake and a fraud. Simple as that. Did you ever see him where he claimed to be channelling the thoughts of a dog? Woo, 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 he went. And I remember thinking, you old fake. You old fake. And that's exactly what he was. There were no energy, you know, going through his body. He was just preying on the weak, I'm afraid. Harlow Pantomime, says Margaret in Loughton. Cinderella, fantastic. Better than the West End. And uh, here they all are. Look at them, honestly. You see, now you've got two men here who are playing the ugly sisters in Cinderella. There is no doubt in anybody's mind, these are blokes. These are blokes. They look like blokes. They're acting. And that's why they're not drag they're just putting on women's clothing. It's funny. It was done years and years ago in Shakespeare's time, and they still carry on doing it today. And uh, when I Google Brooklyn Beckham, Steve, his job description is former model. That sums it up. Yeah, for Airfix. <laughs> I don't think it'll be anything else. Jennifer says, yesterday around 16.30, I had to wait nearly an hour for a 65 bus from Kingston to Richmond due to the very cold weather and lack of power points for electric buses at the Fullwell Garage. Never seen so many people at a bus stop. Couldn't all get on. I managed it. Standing exactly where... I know, isn't that lovely when the bus stops right where you are and everybody else goes, I wanted to be there. And I elbow them out of the way. Get out the way, I go. Get out the way. I'm disabled. Get out the way. And you always get on. But then sometimes you'll be waiting for the bus. I always try and have a plaintive look on my face. So the bus driver feels a bit sorry for me and sort of a bit vacant. And then they... Nine out of ten times, they pull up right next to me. I'm quite lucky. Or sometimes they feel they fall far short of the bus stop. And you sort of think to yourself, come on, play the game. And then the worst thing is, if you've got bags and all the rest of it, and then the bus starts off, you're sort of... How I've never fallen over, I shall never know. Never know. Pringles are OK, but Twiglets are nicer, says Matt. Yeah, but you get that 
that marmite all over your fingers. They're really messy. Whichever way you look at it, you pick them up, you put them in your mouth, you take your fingers away and you, you have to go and wash your hands. It's not physically possible to do anything else. Sarah Jane Dunn, this is this boring person who was in Brookside. Then she decided she wanted to go off and, uh, and make money for the OnlyFans account where she basically gets half her bits out and shows them to you for money. You know, fine if you want to do that, but they didn't want her on the programme. So they got rid of her. And the story in the paper today is she's set to make an acting comeback. No, she's not. She's got no job offers whatsoever. She says she's ready to return to the screen as soon as she's offered the right role. What role would that be, dear? Getting your boobs out. Can't think of anything else. She says, I would love to do something again, but it would have to be... So in other words, there is no job offer. I love the way they say she's set to make an acting comeback. No, she's not. She's not. She's sort of... She's putting out the feelers, hoping somebody will be interested. Why would they be? Why would they be? They've already told you before. You know, certainly not going back to Brookside. And I don't know what else you think you're going to be doing. But, you know, stick with what you're doing, because apparently she's made £700,000 already. You know, be grateful, dear. Be grateful, because it doesn't last forever, as, you, as you're as you probably well aware. Um, Colleen and Wayne Rooney have put their boys on Santa's naughty list this year. And so they're all standing there in one of in front of a chart... You know, you get them, you get criminals, they stand in front of a chart and it's got their height next to it. That's what they're all doing. They're standing in front of this chart as if they're all criminals. So it's uh, from the 95 film, The Usual Suspects. So Kai, Clay, Kit, and then poor old Cass, who doesn't fit in with Kai, Clay and Kit, are in a mock-up. And uh, far from looking like the master criminals, played by Kevin Spacey and Gabriel Byrne in the film, they look cute in their matching red pyjamas. I think they look a bit scary, to be honest with you. I don't think they look cute in pyjamas. Listen, I mean, I look cute in pyjamas because I don't wear pyjamas. You know, that's one of those things, a little bit too too much information, I realise, because it's only, it's only a Thursday. You don't want to sort of peak before the weekend, do we? I bet you this weekend will be the busy time. If you've not bought your tree, get your trees quickly. They're very good this year. Very good. The tree I, I've got is very nice. Very, very nice. I used to watch Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, Steve. As a kid, I always thought he was either doing Morse code or he was just a right snob. Because whatever was said to him, good, bad or indifferent, he just used to stand there tutting. I know. Like that. But mind you, they also used to talk to Flipper. Flipper was a dolphin. It was another one who seemed to have conversations with humans. You know, what's, what's going on in the world? Steve, there is a heat wave on the way. It's going to be 14 degrees on Monday, says Charles. Yeah, in your dreams. In your dreams. And Glenn says, Les Dawson... Fantastic dame. Yes. You know why? Because it was his face. He looked, it was an expression. And he used to go like that with his boobs, fake boobies. But there was no doubt in anybody's mind, it's a bloke. He's not doing drag. In fact, if you look at Les Dawson doing it, hardly any makeup. He didn't do, when you see RuPaul's Drag Race, these are quite different people. Quite different. These are people who enjoy wearing drag and do their hair and all the rest of it. Les Dawson was doing it because he's funny. You know, and comedians did very well, and you've got uh, all sorts of people doing it at the moment. But to do pantomime would be very successful. That's why, as I say, if you want to see a panto dame, watch Biggins. You know, he has three different characters. Nurse Tickle is one of them, and he's got uh, Sarah the Cook and something else, and they will put them into the pantomimes. And, um, and that's what he does. Then there's Clive Rowe. Clive Rowe will work the Hackney Empire for as many years as I've been around, and he's fantastic. But there's no doubt in anybody's mind, it's a bloke in a frock. It's as simple as that. Pringles in an air fryer for two minutes, says Phil in Slough. In an air fryer? 
I'm not sure about that. Pringles in an air fryer. I don't know. I bought an air fryer for a friend of mine the other day, actually. Steve, just finished a, a 12-hour night shift. Been out in minus five, so I just bought some bacon and eggs for breakfast. Fancy bacon, butty? No. No, I don't, actually. I'm going to have a pastrami roll when I get in. I might have some haddock chowder. I don't know. I might go and buy some more, actually, just to keep topping it up. And Halinka says, I'm going to Panto tomorrow. I've been emailed the following warning. Be advised... The show contains the following. Smoke and haze, flashing lights, loud noises, pyrotechnics. I shall wear my tin helmet. Yes, they have to warn you now about these things. Apparently the Richmond pantomime is very loud. Very loud. You know, and it's appealing to little children. So perhaps it's it's too loud. But uh, yeah, so they have to tell you if it's got smoke. It's like when they do it on television. Warning, this programme contains flashing images. And you sit there and all of a sudden... Because some people could suffer epileptic fits, so they have to warn people about things. And uh, tanker driver Phil says, I wish you'd stop talking about ghosts and things. Last year, I used my phone app to get uh, my Alexa to start playing spooky Halloween sounds at about 2am whilst I was away in the truck. Mrs tanker driver woke up and spent the rest of the night barricaded in the bathroom with the lights on. Boy, was I in trouble. <sighs> Only you. Only you, as they say. Steve, Johnny in Watford says, We all went to the Watford Palace Theatre on Saturday for Beauty and the Beast. We took Bobby, age seven, and Emily, age nearly four. We all laughed so much. Well done to the cast and staff, especially Terence Frisch, who's hilarious as the dame. That's what they're supposed to be. So uh, Bobby, seven, and Emily now getting into LBC. We like that. We like that. And I'm looking at it. Uh, Bienvenue à Paris. For Beauty and the Beast. So who's... Uh, it's very glam, isn't it, really? I don't know anybody in it. But uh, it all looks... How much are the seat prices? Go back down again. They're not bad seat prices, you know. 11 on Thursday the 15th. Is that today? Seat price is 11 to £80. £80. That's a lot, isn't it? £80. But on Friday, tomorrow, they've got a show at 10.30. In the morning. You imagine the poor cast. And on Saturday, they've got one at 3 p.m. But uh, they've got all sorts of things. It's a chill-out story. They've got a visual guide. And uh, look at this on Saturday, the 17th of December. Same, same thing, from £17 to £154. My God, I'm out of touch with how much pantomimes cost. £154. I'd expect to take the cast home for that. I've bought them. Come home with me. Come home with me. We'll go and have some mulled wine. Get my drift. Oh, Love it. Another dreary bit on Helen Skelton having a ball on Strictly. I feel like I've won. No, you haven't. No, I don't, want to, I don't want to break it to you, but you haven't won. She says, I'm back in control of my life again. You're only dancing on a, on a reality show, dear. That's all it is. You there's no winning or losing. Definitely still very cold, Steve. Thursday's my early day and I just got home and it's minus seven in Harlow. The place of the pantomime. Great to hear so many good reviews for our local panto. The Playhouse is a great venue and a real asset. That and the Hubcap Museum, before you say it. Now sitting on the sofa, coffee in hand and the cat purring on my lap. How lovely. And Barry and Hounslow just got out of a ten minute hot shower. Oh my God, it's better than central heat. Oh, a shower you can't beat. Can't beat a hot shower. Soaping yourself up. My goodness me, I tell you. Happy days, eh? Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning. Apparently people are telling me now the price 
of uh, some of the panto things are for a box. So the, the Watford Palace Theatre, the £154 tickets were for a box of four people. See, I always think boxes are nice if you want to be looked at. But for actually seeing all the action on the stage, boxes are not the best thing at all. And, uh, and somebody says you need to check, actually, have you seen the prices for Elf? Well, that's a barn of a place. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely huge. Uh, Butch Kangaroo, the only time I've ever heard that was in the Black Cap with Regina Fong, says Andrew. I know. As well as the mouse on the stairs. I know a mouse where they're on the stair. And that was uh, Ronnie Hilton, wasn't it? A windmill in old Amsterdam which I thought was a great song. But no, it was Skippy with Regina Fong, the Butch Kangaroo. Because somebody wrote into me and said, it's Bush Kangaroo. And I had to explain to them, no, Regina Fong, Her Royal Highness, did Skippy the Butch Kangaroo. And in fact, actually, you can see it on YouTube uh, with the people turning round and doing the dance and everything. It was fantastic, actually. Really good. Really good. A friend of mine used to make a lot of the, uh, the tapes for Regina. And uh, then he'd have to learn you know, the words, and then they would sing along and you got people into it. It's very clever, actually. Very clever. Uh, only ever in uh, Amdram, but I've played the dame in at least, says John, half a dozen productions. In at least half of them, I had a full beard. It's about the performance, not the appearance. Well, it is. It's, it's, it's comedy. It's comedy. And if people don't understand it, well, then go somewhere else because they're just tedious and boring. Uh, Mary says... Uh, Sparkling form this morning. Speaking of Christmas trees, I went to Costco's at Lakeside on Monday where the real trees, I think they are. Nordman firs, 2.2 metres, reduced from 35 to £12. My much-loved Auntie Rose has a very nasty chest infection and each time you make her laugh, which is a lot, she has a coughing fit. Nothing worse. Nothing worse. I told you my mother used to get drunk over Christmas. Not intentionally drunk, but she would have a couple of glasses of sherry and it used to affect her. And she would, funny things would just make her laugh. And she would laugh to the point of her sides used to ache. And you'd go into the kitchen and she'd be on her knees in front of the cooker, laughing, you know, and uncontrollably. And I'd say, you're right, Mum. She'd go, I can't make, can't make the gravy. And it would just go forever and a day. And I used to think to her, you might got to stop drinking. It's so much better. Uh, Steve, 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 do you remember Corporal Rusty and Private Rin Tin Tin? I do not. I do not, but it sounds fantastic. Angie in Winchester says, had a gastoscopy. I always get confused with this one. And a colonoscopy. You recently discussed your experience, which was very helpful. I love the way you talk about scary things like bereavement, medical things. The staff were amazing and everything was fine. We're the same age. Don't be ridiculous, Angie. Nobody's the same age as me. God, I should be talking to a pile of dust. But you're in Winchester. So she says, I hope you keep going as long as I do. Well, you won't know about it, will you? If one of us pegs out, who's going to tell you? People never tell you these things. Uh, Steve, I went to buy binoculars the other day, says Harry. They saw me coming. Right, you're barred as well. Do you know, we barred more people this morning than any other time. Is it really, says Mickey, £104 for a panto ticket? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. You're barred. Okay, makes it a lot easier. So don't bother. Snow and ice for the rest of the week. Milder weather with rain and sleet. Expected to give a, a brief reprieve from the Arctic blast striking Britain. Um, in Braemar in Aberdeenshire, guess what the temperature fell to yesterday? Minus 17. 
8.3, minus 17.3 on Monday, making it the coldest place in the UK for the uh, for the second night. And spare a thought for people in Sheffield who are still without power. Two weeks after a gas network flood left 2,000 homes cut off. One lady, Shirley, who's got arthritis, said, It's been shocking. It's my hands and feet. I can't get warm. When I get up in the morning, I put a scarf around my neck and my gloves on. She says, One day I felt so low, I ended up crying. I sat here on my own. It's like the North Pole. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you think, listen, how do they think people cope in other countries where they've got snow for six months of the year? They manage it. Why does everything grind to a halt? In this country, it really is. It's very frustrating. Uh, apparently, uh, Matt Goss is trotting out another dreary story. I don't know why. They've not mentioned him when it's the, the list in the paper of who wants to be number one at Christmas. And it's a case of Duran Duran's Andy Taylor and the Pink Floyd drummer Nick Mason have teamed up to help Noddy Holder score his second festive chart topper after Slade's Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, also, Ozzy Osbourne. Good God in heaven, not Ozzy Osbourne. Surely not. And EastEnders actress Samantha Womack, who provide backing moments, uh, vocals, months after revealing her cancer diagnosis. And uh, they're 25 to 1 to reach the top. Uh, Martin Lewis has teamed up with Lad Baby in their attempt to land a fifth consecutive festive number one. Uh, Jason Manford has got something. At, uh, and Mariah Carey as well. And Mariah Carey as well. They're re-releasing All I Want for Christmas is You. Louis Capaldi. But some of the, uh, sorry, sadly, none of the footy owl uh, anthems look likely to land high. But Patrick the Pony could spread some cheer if Nay Hooray charts. Although it's fairly unlikely at 50 to 1. So we'll have to wait and see. But they're all there. I mean, I'm hoping it's Lad Baby again. I really do. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm, I'm sort of taken to them. I just think they're they're really good. I think it's very funny. And it's like, listen, it raises money for charity. They've got two different charities that will benefit. So you know, if you buy the single, it goes to charity. And you know how much we are we are pinning our hopes on charity. Uh, Halinka says, my sisters and I, Steve, often get tiddled whilst preparing the Polish meal on Christmas Eve. Lashings of champagne. I can't get drunk over Christmas. In fact, I, I don't drink over Christmas at all. I'd rather have a cup of tea. I'm just as happy because, as I say, I, I've got to drive and I don't want to uh, don't want to risk it at all. Knowing my luck, you know, a little bit of ice and all of a sudden the car wanders off one direction. I wander off in another. So uh, definitely not. But uh, you have a nice time. I'm sure you will. That's it, Steve. Trip down memory lane mentioning Regina Fong. Uh, Mark Fleming, Mrs. Shufflewick, Dave Lynn. Such good times, says Mike. Yes, Mark Fleming. Mark Fleming, I remember from the Black Cap. And as I said to you uh, a couple of weeks ago, Mrs. Shufflewick, Rex Jameson, um, seriously, seriously funny, but without intending to be. And could have been great, but unfortunately had a slight drink problem. Alison said, I'm awake under a top tog duvet and a fluffy cover, watching busy traffic making light patterns on the bedroom wall. I can hear the rush hour mixed with the cats snoring. I didn't know cats snored. Mickey says, am I really barred, Steve? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. There you go. Solved the problem for you. Freddie, lucky to be alive. This is former England cricket captain Freddie Flintoff. This was uh, whilst filming Top Gear. He reportedly broke a rib and had an operation after being airlifted to hospital. His son, Corey, look at this, very popular name, said, it's OK. I'm not too sure what happened, but he's lucky to be alive. Yeah, he is lucky to be alive. And um, what did we have here? Oh, yes, this tiny heater. Be warned. 
this is uh, this is a, a company advertising heaters. They're selling them for fifty quid. Certainly a special price because you can get them for around four quid on another thing. This is a company called EcoQuest. So, and um, what they're doing, unfortunately, the website gives a registration address in Iceland. The actual terms and conditions say it's in Lithuania, whereas the call centre, the phone number, which isn't answered, is a Spanish one. So good luck if you order one of these things, because <laughs> you won't get anything back at all. And um, the US magician going solo. This is uh, Penn Gillette, and this is Stephen Mulhern's programme. Uh, it's all magicians, and it's on Sunday, and they've got a whole load of people. So there's some people I know on here. And some people I don't know, but I will be glued to it because I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant, including Richard Jones, the magician and soldier. He was crowned Britain's Got Talent champion in 2016 and appeared on my Magic Circle Christmas show a few years ago. And uh, very good he is, too. Very, very good. But they've also got uh, Mandy Mooton as well. And Mark Spellman, the clairvoyance, the witch, magical bones, Kevin James, and uh, he's uh, had runs in Las Vegas. It'll be very interesting to see what he actually comes up with. So that's on, on Sunday on your television. Britain's Got Talent, The Ultimate Magician. It's at 8pm. I might have to stay up late. It's not a school day the next day. Well, it is actually, but it doesn't, doesn't really matter. I can sort of cope with things like that. And um, what was the other one I quite... Oh, a lovely lady of 94. She had a wish list. And the wish list was she wanted to fly a plane. So they let her fly a plane. I wouldn't have got on it. At 94? Good God. I see people driving cars now. I, I watched a woman the other day, sorry to say that, trying to park a car. And she was backwards, forwards, backwards. Then she mounted the pavement. And then she, then she drove off onto the road. Then she came back again. It's all bad news. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can listen live to Steve Allen Sunday to Friday from 4am on FM in London, across the UK on DAB Digital Radio and on Global Player.